By the time you hear this podcast, you can be the nickelback of whatever genre you want. All right, so basically you pick three chords. One that's going to be your bass, and then you go one step down to a major, one step down, major. So your chorus is literally just going to be this. Just walk it up and down. This is all closer was, just fucking... So once you have your chords, it could be this one, it could be, I don't know, fucking, so basically you want to find lyrics that talk about um, how hard it is being white and in love, so. So I've decided on a central theme, so this new one by them, the theme is like myths and shit, uh, my theme's gonna be champagne. Alright, so you want to make it sound like you're edgy, but not edgy. And you want to follow whatever note is on top of the chord you're playing. So when you have this one, you sing this note. This one, this note. Like, you know, we drank champagne when we were young. I know that you weren't the one. <laughs> then you, you keep going on about like, you know, your parents didn't let us go out. <laughs> and then the breakdown's like... I'm gonna choose these chords now. You are the one you said to me that night on the. And then you want like a little breakdown before the, the big breakdown, so it's gonna be like a lot of just random thoughts, just like. Your blonde hair on my chest, I can't seem to get off. I know that we are young and loving, dumb and tom and jump and bond and dumb and bomb and dumb, but we can make something right. they did for their last album which was utter trash was they picked a random noun and they just went with the song so oh perfect we used to sit by the oak by your parents house drinking our problems away uh, yeah <laughs> uh i don't know make it make it seem like you're just suffering like you're not doing well in school but i'm doing fine maybe some so before the chorus, you want to talk more about the main noun you chose. So basically, like, that old oak tree was the place to go. We're going to write a song about the breeze. All right, here we go. Let's pick this chord. Your house smelled like Febreze, you always said to me. Uh, I don't know, fucking uh, laundry detergent. <clears throat> here we go. Let's do, um, you smell like tide. <laughs> Your hair reminded me of Tide detergent when we were young. <laughs> now, for the part that isn't vocals, where it's just the electronic music playing, you repeat the chords down here, but you have one note playing up here, and I'll show you. So while your left hand is doing whatever it is down here, up here you're going to be doing really basic... try and do it while recording so one hand is doing both parts and then if you just can't think of anything to write about just you know point your finger at a map and pick a place and then talk about how you 
uh, you fake about how you used to go there. So like, you know, maybe it's Boulder, Colorado, maybe it's Paris, you can be like, I don't know, fucking... We were in Santa Fe. <laughs> I don't know. The lights went down over Manhattan and you were standing there. You close your eyes and count to ten and you weren't there. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, you know, I don't really think calculator, just like, um, you always kept your calculator in your purse. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with another episode. This is episode 92. Ooh. Uh, we're not on Facebook Live because, uh, one of my... Um, old phones is it cooperating? All right, Kevin Gates. <laughs> uh, <man>. Two phones. <laughs> I do have two phones. Uh, but thank you to everyone who's been listening and downloading so far. And um, if you want to uh, tell people how we can be found, um, if you're uh, if you're watch this on Facebook Live. It's through our Facebook page, of course. Uh, Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, spelled with the word you. There's also our website, by the time you hear this, at gmail.com. If you want to get with us on social media, we are at by the time you hear this on Instagram, spelled with the letter U, because we're urban. We're, yeah. we're going to go back to being we're, urban. We, yeah. 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 It's time. Yeah. It's time yeah, to go back to care. being urban. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. No. Um, <clears throat> And uh, that is a safe spelling for our email address. By the time you hear this, at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, show ideas. If you're an independent artist, we'll play your music for absolutely free. And if you want to listen to us on the go to uh, avoid that guy awkwardly dancing on the train or uh, <laughs> that co-worker who looks like Bill Lumberg and you don't want him walking up to you <laughs> because you got your earbuds in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you can... Go ahead and help me out. That'd be great. That'd be great. Um, you just want to do your TPS reports in peace. Uh, you can listen to us on uh, Podomatic, um, Satchel Podcast Player, Auto Radio, uh, Overcast, CastBox. And uh, if you have an iPhone, go to the Apple Podcast app. If you have an Android, you can go through the Google Music app. That's where the podcasts are. And if you want to look for our um, our uh, podcast by what we put in the description, you can go to listennotes.com. It is a search engine for podcasts who put in uh, very clear, concise notes. <laughs> On our last episode, we uh, did uh, our Because Five One Hit Wonders in the Year of Our Lord 1999. <laughs> And uh, so if you search One Hit Wonders or 1999 or something like that, you should be able to find us on listennotes.com. You should start putting hashtag Year of Our Lord. The Year of Our Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like Bill Burr said, we know the dominant religion is. (laughs) Do you know? That's how you know who won. So uh, we do have a guest on our podcast uh, returning for the first time. Since uh, I believe we had the trivia contest between yeah. Ben and I, this is third time on, right? 
Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Fourth. 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 Is James Bond. Um, uh, yes. Fear of a Black Hat. And oh yeah. yeah. So it's the fourth. His fourth, okay. his fourth appearance. Yeah, that's right. I'm keeping track. Yeah. <laughs> Even when we can't. <laughs> <laughs> we have Tim. Tim, what's going on, man? Nothing much. What's up? We're just we're just podcasting, man. That's yep. cool, man. <laughs> podcasting cool. and grinning. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I came here to do. Yep. Um so uh <laughs> have you what's what have you been I wanna ask I I'm starting I'm gonna start asking this, doing a okay. little interview trying to oh, no. spruce this podcast okay, up. No, not nothing difficult, nothing difficult. But uh what if it is? <laughs> well, if a train's leaving Atlanta. <laughs> If you're on 285 <laughs> at 5 p.m. on a Friday, <laughs> it will take you an hour to go 10 miles. But, true or false? <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Always. always. Uh, or what? What is? What time during the day is there no traffic in Atlanta on the connector? 11:30. That is a trick question. <laughs> There's always traffic. <laughs> But uh, what what have you been listening to lately, as far as music goes? Oh, I'm I'm still listening to the the the, the trash that I always listen to. <laughs> um, what uh, I don't, I've been going through a lot of podcasts. There's one called uh, Slow Burn that I've been working oh, through. Slow Burn is good. I saw that on the uh, front page of the uh, podcast app today. So yeah, yeah I've, been look, I've been looking at that one. Yeah, that that one's really good. It's uh, um, kind of like going step by step, slowly, slowly, slowly through the the Watergate process, and then the second season they're going to be going through Whitewater mm-hmm. for uh, for Bill Clinton, yeah. and I think they're setting it up so that the third season is yeah. going to be yes. about about Trump yeah. and Russia. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's what inspired it. He said the host said. Oh really? Oh yeah. okay. I, yeah. I, I missed that. Um, I guess music wise. I don't know, like nothing, just nothing recent. I have a couple of playlists that I that I focus on at work. So there's like an 80s mix and a. I wanted to mix. ask you about because uh, I saw a couple of posts on Facebook. Um, oh, the shitty oh. music minus John Tesh. <laughs> you were I completely on. forgot that I was doing that. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm very slowly working on a podcast for music that I believe to be actual shit. <laughs> but if I if I was being honest, I would have to include entire albums by John Tesh. So that seemed to be too easy. So I have a playlist called Shitty Music, No John Tesh, and. Um, there's, I think there's only three songs on it right now. There's an Air Supply song, um, Even the Nights Are Better, and then On the Wings of Love by Jeffrey Osborne, mm. which I'm actually thinking about taking off because I think that's a good song. Well, it, that depends. We can talk that about depends that depends on later. who it is. Depends who you ask exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, there was... I know you also asked the question, um, like, about... True by Spandau Ballet doesn't make you a serial killer if you enjoy the song. If you if you choose to listen to the song, like if it just like comes up on the radio, <laughs> like oh this it. isn't a bad song, like I'm not gonna change it, like that's fine. But like when you wake up in the morning and you're like, <laughs> I'm gonna choose, I'm gonna go on my Spotify, I'll listen to the ad because I'm too cheap to pay for Spotify, <laughs> and I'm going to choose True. By Spandu Ballet, does that make you a serial killer? And I got mixed responses. Mm. All, all said and done, I know I responded that if you if you enjoy 
songs by Ray Parker Jr. not called Ghostbusters. I, I, and that makes you a serial. This killer. is this is conspiracy theory, Tim. I don't know if he has any other songs. I was thinking that I, I don't know. I don't believe, <laughs> and I know you're looking at me. He does. He I, does. I think you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're part of the grander Ray Parker Jr. has a music career conspiracy. conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there was, it was there, there was a lot of words leading up to that. So he does. He had he had a band called Radio. Radio oh, yeah, with a Y. Did, yeah. Oh. Was That's it R A Y D I O? Yeah. Oh. Why not just R A D Y O? Radio. <laughs> well, his name's Ray. So he had to have the Ray part. Oh, right. Okay. Same. I meant same. I don't, I don't Lost know anything about Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> I don't know enough. Apparently. And he had he had a uh, a guy in his band who was a much better singer than him, but was not the lead singer. Well, you know why? Which happened. <laughs> it's Ray Parker Jr.'s band. David Ryan Harris backed up John Mayer. For no clue why. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. If anyone has suggestions for what they believe to be like truly shitty music, I, I, I think there's a, um, it, it took me a while to find it because I couldn't remember any of the lyrics. I just remember hearing it when I was a kid and absolutely hating it. Uh, it was a song called In the House of Stone and Light. <sighs> oh, Ben loves that song. <laughs> Martin Page. Dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's like, awesome. This is like some low rent Peter Gabriel type I, shit. You're right. It is. I love it. God, this is, it, it, it's, it's just so like, what, like, I wish I could have played drums on that. Song. What, what, what problem did Martin Page go through <laughs> to where he, feel, he felt he needed a right that song? <laughs> Also, what's a house of stone and light? That's a castle. It's up on Mount Kylas. Some <laughs> that's where it is. I don't know. It might as well be up on Salisbury Hill because it sounds exactly the same. <laughs> Only it's like a dime store. Like In the house fucking... of stone. Don't please. <laughs> the goal I of this playlist is I'm going to make a playlist that I will never ever listen to. Find my soul, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I just. <sighs> God, we're not. We're just not friends anymore, dude. Like. <laughs> This, well, this, if you want to uh, re-download the iHeartRadio app, <laughs> I, I would and suggest I, I would suggest a uh, radio station out of Augusta called Light ninety eight. Ooh, in yeah. which adult contemporary songs such as in the, in the House, House of Stone, Stone Light, Light. I was, will be played. I was, I was I really thought that I was going to stump Spotify with in the House of Stone and Light, and I was not successful. Uh, that song was featured on our um, one hit wonders episode i believe that was was that 96 or 97 mm -hmm. no it was, no, a, it was I, a list that spanned a few years um i remember hearing that in the car in 1990 or 91 like i remember being a kid yes old it's 94 94 that's okay, okay. so sure. it was our it was our 90 to 94 yeah. episode mm. when was that like when that was, did you do that episode? that was a while back yeah. Okay. That was a while. Yeah, it was probably at least, at least six months ago. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's cool. Is it? It, it might be. <laughs> well, just gonna don't make it less cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we wanted to, I guess, you know, keep it light a little bit uh, with the news that um, Aretha Franklin passed away. Uh, Thursday, we're recording this on Friday. We did an episode earlier this week, and I said I didn't want to really talk about it un until she died. I, I and I mean that as in 
we know it's going to happen, but let's maybe something, maybe a miracle maybe happens, through, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, she did pass away <laughs> Thursday morning, 76 years old. Um, what else? I mean, what, what is there that she didn't do for music as far as, um, uh, as far as how people sounded, as far as like what kind of voices are record companies trying to look for, you know, she, mm-hmm. she had that voice. So then other record companies were trying to find that next Aretha yeah. and no one really did. No, I don't think, um, to where she, uh, she was one of the, someone who grew up in the church, um, and her, you know, her father's a pastor and he actually gave his blessing for her to do pop music. Hmm. Uh, which is, I guess that's, that's a, it's, you don't see that. Um, like you don't hear that, that the, you know, the, the preacher father or whoever would give a blessing for, yeah. yep. you know, <clears throat> um, and, uh, she kind of combined her gospel upbringing into, what uh, R&B really was defined as throughout the 60s and 70s going yeah. forward. And, um, yeah, and she's there. I mean, there's a reason that she's the, she's the, the queen of soul because of what she, what she brought to the table in her influence um, mm-hmm. musically um, cannot be overlooked. Um, any thoughts about... Aretha Franklin, any memories, Tim? Um, I think that uh, I I don't think that she ever did anything that I didn't like, and um, I think there are a couple of covers that she did. I think she did a cover of uh, "Light My Fire" by the was that her "Light My Fire." I think she did. By the, she probably did. Yeah. Well, there was. I know. I know she did a cover of "The Weight," and I think that whenever yeah. she mm. whenever she did a cover of something, I usually liked it better than the original version. <laughs> Um, there was just a lot more, there was just a lot more talent and creativity and you, you, I, you really could just sit there and listen to her sing all day. And mm-hmm. there's not many, not many pop vocalists that I would be able to say that to. Well, her signature song is a cover song mm-hmm. and oh, some yeah. people still don't know yeah. that. <laughs> some I, people still don't know respect. I knew that. I also forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so people listening right now may just be finding that out. That respect is a cover song. I was gonna say, say the name because some people like like natural woman. Like, no, we're talking about respect. <laughs> and and oh, a natural woman. She didn't write that. She, no, um, that was Carol King. Carol mm-hmm. King. Yeah, yeah. So even with uh, what's funny is that even with respect, the the part where the word respect is spelled, mm-hmm. some people still misspell it. <laughs> I, I find I find that weird. Like that should be impossible. Everyone has heard that song, and and should know how to spell that word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> this is America. Forty plus years later. <laughs> uh, ben, how about you? Phenomenal voice, powerful voice, um, and so not and not just a good voice, not just a powerful voice. But it's instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, no matter, it's, you know, kind of like, you know, if I ever hear Santana playing, I know that Santana. He's got a tone. If I hear, mm. 
Jimi Hendrix playing, I know Jimi Hendrix has a tone. If I hear Aretha Franklin singing, even if she's, like you said, even, even if she's singing someone else's song, you instantly know it's Aretha Franklin from the way that she sings. Yeah. You know, she has this, I guess, maybe char- charisma to her voice. Like, it was this charisma, this style, this confidence um, mixed with technique, which you don't always get. You don't always get someone who can be that soulful and then that technical when they need to be as well. And she had a really great mix of that. And I think that's what made her unique. Whereas some people can be really technical and have no soul. Some people can have a lot of soul and have no technique. It's like it's almost as if like you took um, an opera singer and mixed them with like a Jennifer Hudson. You know, raw talent, loud, in your face, but then subtle. You know, you don't always get that. And I think that's what you typically miss. Like you, you usually have one of the, one or the other. You don't always have both. You should have both. Yeah, I think that. Um, like I agree with you that she. It's one of the most recognizable <laughs> voices. You know, it's an Aretha song right away. Yeah. And I know there's a conversation we had a long time ago to where I had to go back and like listen to. Um. Michael Jackson to realize how great of a singer he yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, and his songs are hard for anyone to sing. Yeah. I think that's the same thing with Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, to where you just, you can't just pick up an Aretha Franklin song and, mm-hmm. and, and sing it and think you're going to do well right off the yeah. bat. <laughs> or ever. Or, or ever, yeah. You can stand out there all day in the hot sun, sun. man. <laughs> you're never going to hit those notes. <laughs> Oh man, um, and there was a story that I I found here where uh, <laughs> okay, I I know she's passed, but the the joke is it, it's not about her, it's more about Stevie Wonder, um, <laughs> because he was on CNN, I believe, uh, either yesterday or it's early this morning, to where he went to. Uh, he said, "So yeah, I went to Detroit to see her." Ooh. <laughs> Um, I mean, maybe yeah. maybe Stevie Wonder is not blind. <laughs> there is a a a TV personality, Bomani Jones, who who uh, has that theory. He's a cider. Is that what we call him? A cider. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the cider movement. But he believes Stevie Wonder ain't blind, uh, based on some certain lyrics and the fact that he had a friend yeah, the, um, a while ago. Boogie, boogie, reggae woman. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But he had, he had a friend who who worked who used to work at a Best Buy, and he said he stole he sold Stevie Wonder two flat screen TVs <laughs> for so? his friends. I'm sure for his friends. I, no, they were for him. They're in his house. So he, he can he can have the TV if he wants. He probably he just can. listens. Why? Like why not? Like maybe he just. You know, you can't listen to the TV shows. You can listen to TV shows. Would you think you're going to walk in and he's playing Madden? No. He's... <laughs> <laughs> you're not, also, at this point... One day. You're not going to... One day. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> also, like, if he's been keeping it up this long, you're not going to catch him now. No, you're not. He's 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 not. paid off the right people. He's too, <laughs> he's too good. Um, And he... uh. He was talking about, he said as as recent as two months ago, they were talking about recording a song together. 
That would have been nice. That would have been. That was the other thing, like um, the video of uh, her performing uh, for, at the Kennedy Center. Um, that's you know went viral again because Barack Obama tears up. But like she, she was still as incredible as she mm-hmm. ever was, and that's a lot of that has to do with like just that technique because technique isn't just about <clears throat> hitting the notes right. It's also about being able to do it like sustain it over a long period yeah. of time so you don't lose your voice but yeah she was just as incredible as she ever was I really wish that uh, that could have happened uh, one thing that he did say and we talked about with like some people don't know Respect is a uh, her version of Respect is a cover of of Otis Redding Until You Come Back to Me mm-hmm. is was written by Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. and he said uh, when she sings your song she takes it and you don't get it back yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I think that's, that's okay yeah. <laughs> <I'm good with laughs> that she didn't have to give it back. Um, she'll rest the priest to Aretha Franklin and condolences to her family. Um, uh, do you know she had four sons? I did not know that. Yeah. Do they sing? Not that I know of. Yeah. Who wants to, you know, to be in that shadow, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, I would, I would, I would not bother. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we are, well, we guess we don't have to necessarily mention the, um, billboard charts this week because we're doing two shows in the same week. So everything's still the same, uh, but probably the number one album next week is probably going to be Ariana Grande. And I'm going to go ahead and, uh, throw it out there, but the, uh, artist 100 number one will likely be Aretha Franklin. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's hmm. the rule. That's a bold statement. That's the <laughs> I don't, I don't know where you're getting your facts, buddy. <laughs> that is well, you the, know the rules with that list. I actually don't. Okay, oh. well, or I don't. I don't recall. <clears throat> I think that you mentioned them before. Yeah. The, with the uh, Billboard Artist 100, there are certain rules to where you can be number one or in the top five for the week. Mm-hmm. One, you release an album, or two, you die. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are those, so, the, are those the actual rules? Or those no, no, but it's the, that's the trend. <laughs> the, okay. act, the actual rules are like uh, social media, presence. social media presence. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Or, or like how okay. much people are talking about you, Album your sales, sales. Yeah. and radio airplay. Gotcha. Yeah. But when Chester Bennington died, Lincoln Park was number one. When Tom Petty died, Tom, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. When Dolores O'Riordan died. Cranberries. Something something happened to the radio station at the store that I used to work at. Like it, it was just like I don't know. It was just like this random mix. Like there was no thought or reason to the music that they were playing. But I swear to God, the day after Tom Petty died, there were five new Tom Petty songs that were introduced to that radio huh. station. It was it was just it was an awful place. But anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. Props. They probably contributed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, damn. Watch Mojo did a list after that. Like, I think two days after he died, his top songs. Watch Mojo. Is... They did a list of XXX Tentacion's top ten songs. Did they songs. really? Oh, I can't even he went... think of ten songs like him. <laughs> when he died, he was number one, too. Yeah, yeah he was just, number one. Uh, yeah. For I have two a... weeks in a row, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come after Watch Mojo one day. <laughs> I really, I really, I hate, I hate Watch Mojo. I'll watch Watch Mojo. You know what's kind of worse? Ms. Mojo. What's Ms. Mojo? That's another, you, that's, that's their the, gossip yeah. channel. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, they, they. I have never seen so many Gossip Girl related top ten lists <laughs> you in my life. Gossip Girl. <laughs> they have XO. like <laughs> they have like twenty different Gossip Girl lists. Really? There's not twenty lists you can make from that show. <laughs> they also have a lot of 
they also have a lot of how I met your mother lists. Mm. Like they, they put out a list, uh, 10 times how I met your mother ripped off friends. Did it happen that much? I didn't watch either show, so I can't. That's, yeah, I never, well, I watched how I met your mother. I didn't watch friends, but like, oh, it's a group of white people that are friends with each other in New York. Like, yeah, they're going to be some similarities. <laughs> Number um, 10, they're all white. <laughs> what's with that? No, um, the, the acts I have to grind against uh, Watch Mojo, I watched, I got pretty drunk one night and I was like, I'm going to watch Watch Mojo. And um, they were listening to top 10 Bob Dylan songs. And I paused the video and I made my list of what I thought was going to be in the top 10. And I was like 8 for 10 in like placement and all that and then they're like honorable mentions and they started playing um they started playing a song called um with god on our side but they were saying that the name of the song was highway highway 61 revisited and it just it just oh my god it still pisses me off so much it's like this <laughs> tiny little like they're uh, just churn out the content who cares what it says yeah. no one's gonna watch this video at three in the morning aha <laughs> then came tim so, they didn't plan on Tim. Yeah, sorry. No. It was... <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't mean for that rant to happen, but it did. I Don't feel bad. I've, Although I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I don't watch them a lot, I, there are a lot of... And it's kind of one of those things I just watch and complain about. I'm like, how could you make that number one? Oh, come on. They've got at least ten better songs. At least ten. <laughs> you don't have to mention this one. Like, they're just like... Um, yeah. Yeah, so with Miss Mojo, uh, they have lists such as... Uh, Oh, they talk about Gossip Girl a lot, How I Met Your Mother, Friends, and Sex in the City. They talk about those shows a lot. How much more can be said about Sex in the City? It's like when people still bring up The Sopranos, and it's like, guys, it's over. <laughs> it's been off the air for, for a hot minute. Yeah. So maybe, maybe stop. So people want a Sex in the City, the movie, part three. No, they don't. They don't, they no, don't, want, some... they don't want a part two. I thought there was a part two. There was. There was. Oh, they, <laughs> they didn't want it. Epic stories deserve a cast of marvelous. Ca- Sorry. That's it. I was trying to see what music relate. Well, they they have a top ten memorable Aretha Franklin moments already oh, on Watch Mojo. I'm sure they had that one locked in the chamber, ready to fire yeah. out uh, the second something happened to Aretha Franklin. They started work on that on Monday. Yeah, they're like she's sick. I don't sick. know what's on there. Let's go, let's go, guys. She's <laughs> touching go. together. She's in house with care. Yeah, as soon as it came out, like at ten o'clock, ten o one, our top ten Franklin <laughs> moments. Vultures. Um, <laughs> uh, we always seem to. Well, I just think it's it's fun to bring up different kind of Prince news. Uh, so always, uh, this happened earlier today. I guess, or probably at midnight. I found out at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, for like Ben and I both use Spotify. Tim, you use Spotify as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, if you look at Prince's catalog, uh, there's a there's a good chunk missing. <laughs> yeah. Of his later works. Yeah. There's Purple Rain. There's Diamonds and Pearls. We're not idiots. <laughs> but <laughs> like we're obviously going to have this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> His uh, his later works between 1995 and 2010 are missing, severely lacking. <laughs> are they on the back of the Declaration of Independence? I don't know. That's Aspen Cage. Cage. Yes, sorry, sorry. Benjamin Gates. Let's yes. ask Benjamin yes. Gates. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, they have been um, uh, gathered and put on 
all digital music platforms. Uh, those albums, a total of 23, um, and including yeah, the uh, and the anthology, which is the like best of that particular period. So uh, uh, this was a deal between the Prince Estate and Sony Music uh, to re-release these albums and to put them on digital music platforms. So uh, we did our Prince t- because five last year. I believe so. Yep. Yeah. First uh, anniversary. Cinnamon Girl would have been on Ben's list. Oh, yeah. It would have probably been two or one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we were to do it again, it was it is subject to change. Yeah. Because yeah. we could have picked five more songs. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll definitely have more to, to listen to and to choose from going forward. So, um. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing a revisit yeah. of that or the Stevie Wonder list, honestly. Yeah, that's definitely another one that's subject to change as well. Um, <clears throat> a total of 300 songs across all of those albums. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and that's just what he released. <laughs> yeah. That's not the vault. Yeah, that's that's they, not the vault of God knows what. <laughs> yeah, see... I f- he has, I know he has to have unreleased of his own, of course, but also Vanity Six, yeah, of the time, mm-hmm. Wendy and Lisa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't be surprised if it's like the unreleased Whitney Houston album, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, all right, unreleased Whitney Houston album by Prince. All right, never let it see the light of day. <laughs> there's there's an unreleased uh, song he did with Michael Jackson. He had Nelly Furtado up to play once. I won't be surprised if he did a song with her, like. Why not? You're at Paisley Park. Let's do a song together. All right. <laughs> um, and uh, as I said, it was announced in June. Sony Music uh, has an exclusive distribution agreement that covers 35 of his previous released albums, which weren't widely accessible. And other titles between 1978 and 2015 will also be reissued going forward. So we still don't have everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to get everything. Yeah. Honestly, if he was alive, I don't think we did this. No. That's true. Which is really ironic because he was one of the first major artists to embrace the internet. Only yeah. to not allow his music to be on streaming devices. Or streaming platforms, which I was just like, that's weird. But that's Prince. Yeah. I think for a while, like, I think it wasn't until after he passed, there was only one song of his. Yeah, on I Spotify, so. and I th- it was the Breakfast Can Wait, the one with Dave Chappelle as Prince, yeah, on the cover. Um, and this also included any covers of his songs. So nothing compares to you. Sinead O'Connor wasn't on there. Um, he probably, I think he he left Shaka Khan's "I Feel for You" on there because him and Shaka were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Sinead were not. No. Okay. Yeah. Never. They think never they were. like like when okay. they met. They didn't hit it off at all. No. I can only imagine. <laughs> I think she cursed and he didn't like it. Yeah. Shania O'Connor cursed. Yeah. Yeah. No. She, oh, that's did. right. Like I'm I'm thinking of the way she is now, where she's like super not mm. cursy. And uh, she said she had to escape boat. from his house at like five in the morning. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who of us, who among us has not tried to escape Paisley Park at 5 a.m. on a Tuesday? It's like, oh, crap. Release the dogs. He wanted, he wanted a llama. He just didn't understand why he couldn't get a llama at 3 in the morning. 
All right, so that will do it for our uh, music news. Um, yeah, we're doing the show three days later. Not much has happened. Presented uh, by Menon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in honor of Aretha Franklin, our, uh, our earworms will be Aretha Franklin-related songs. And Ben, we'll start with you. Um, so, I went with Lady Marmalade. Um, that was a joke. Hold on. So have you? I, I made this joke because someone did a like a picture collage tribute to her, and it's and got her the in the foreground and Patty Labelle in the background singing. And I was like, "Ooh, Ooh. we all look alike, huh?" All right. <laughs> like, yeah, you know the old black lady that sings soul. <laughs> like, no, wrong one. No, my um, excuse me. So the song I went with is "Natural Woman." Um, has always been my favorite Aretha, Aretha Franklin song. Um. I think at one point I was doing covers of it because it's just a fun song to sing. I'm not a natural woman. So, you know, I think that's a, not why uh, I did it. <laughs> there, there was a video I saw on Facebook with, uh, uh, when Trevor Noah was talking about it mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, I would sing the song uh, all the time with my mom, you know? Uh, and I didn't know what I was singing. I was singing. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got older, like, wait a second. Wait a minute, I was singing this as a child. Mom, why would you let me sing this? She's like, but you, you, you sounded and looked like a natural woman. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but yeah, this is, it's, it's an amazing song and I never get sick of hearing it. All right, so this is You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin uh, from the album, well, I guess, the, well, yes, from her album Lady Soul, written by Carol King. And we'll be right back. Sure. 
that is You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin. Uh, covered by many, including Ben, but it doesn't sound the same. <laughs> no, no. You get weird looks. <laughs> All right. So we started the this episode with... Um, I thought it was we talked we used that video before or we referenced it before. So I think when we did it before we used the actual final recorded version of the song. Yeah. But this was explaining how he got there. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I mean like and so like I and I say this with all honesty, I actually like some chain smokers songs, but I can recognize that they are writing the same song over and over and over and over and every now and then they'll they'll strike gold, but like when they don't it sounds like they're trying too hard. Like, it's just like that chord was forced. <laughs> like, and there's nothing worse than a forced <clears throat> chord in a song. We're just like that. Mm-mm. Like, no, take that one out. <laughs> and they do that sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, what Ben has just explained here is probably not uh, a popular opinion, <laughs> especially on Reddit. Well, I don't know. Cause they don't seem, they don't like the chain smoke. That's where I found that video. Like people hmm. will make hardcore make fun of like depend like on pop heads. I think there's a little bit of respect. Our music, they're just like get the fuck out of here, <laughs> get them out of here. I don't know if Reddit likes anything. Yeah. No, oh, so they're like Rolling Stone. No. They might be worse. <laughs> like Reddit's pretty, and I agree. Like Reddit, like the music. Are they like Reddit. Pitchfork? So I don't know because like there's like the main ones I go on are hip hop heads. Our music. Are pop heads and then metal, um, and I'll you know I'll go into the guitar and the <clears throat> drum subreddits too, and like they're very like it's inconsistent. They'll get snarky about certain things. Like they'll you know like I don't like I'm not saying that you know like Travis Barker's the greatest drummer ever. I don't think he sucks. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, true. Like I've heard him play. You know I've tried to play some some Blink One Eighty Two songs on drums. You know it's not you know. I, he's not the best thing ever, but like just to be like, yeah, he sucks. Like, let's see you do better. <laughs> um. So, uh, well, on this uh, topic here is we're going to discuss our personal unpopular music opinions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They may be popular, maybe not, but we don't hear other people talk about it or. Yeah. Someone might be ready, you know, to fight or argue if we do mention it out loud. <clears throat> like Sam Smith. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to pick a fight with each of you, Aww. whether I agree or not. I'm just, All right, cool. I'm, I'm, just, right. I'm just just for the conflict to make it interesting. All right, cool. <laughs> um, well, I, we, uh, on our last episode, we talked about Sam Smith. Um, Fucking Sam Smith. <laughs> he, was, he was on a boat. Um, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh god. Knock um, me over with a wet noodle, Sam Smith. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, you hear in the video, you hear Michael Jackson's "Human Nature" playing in the background, and he says, uh, "I don't really like Michael Jackson, but this is a good song." And uh, he just got. He just got uh, ripped to shreds. Well, that's because people in glass houses should not throw stones. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, like if he doesn't like Michael Jackson, that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't get like vitriol or hate. But you know, you definitely need to like look around just for half a second. (laughs) 
And maybe don't express that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, the, the clip was five seconds long, right? So, I would say that, the, like, what people were saying, you're you're <laughs> extrapolating a lot from five seconds. That's true. Uh, was it Stephanie Mills who said, you people take yeah. from us, take our music from us? And... Um, one of Michael Jackson's nephews, I forgot what he said, but he, he came at Sam Smith. So a lot of people came at him, but I felt like there was a lot. <clears throat> you got a lot for those five seconds. From one sentence. <laughs> from one, yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's also like if, and, and that's the first time I, I, I heard that, but at the same time, like I, I don't know, like it, it, it wouldn't take much to set me off on Sam Smith. <laughs> so you won an Academy Award. Yeah, that's not good. What did he win for? <laughs> that's categorically bad. Uh, Writing this... on the Wall, best original song. Yeah, from Spectre? Yeah. Oh, and... Okay, I didn't know you sung the theme from that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's like my least favorite, one of my least favorite James Bond songs. I don't think I've heard it. <laughs> he, he admitted that he wrote the whole thing in 20 minutes, and for, to have any measure of success after that is really, really upsetting. Hmm. So guess what, kids? You two can win an Academy Award <laughs> if you just have like an okay twenty-minute recording session. Yeah, I hate. I'm, I'm sorry, I hate Sam Smith so much. It's ex-wife music. I can't. I, I don't have to ex-wife music. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First and popular opinion. All right. All right. Yeah, I said it. As in, well, some people say that. Uh, who they say was side chick music? SZA. SZA is side chick music. Damn, that's kind of that's kind of cold. Uh, that's the version I've heard Sam Smith as ex-wife music. I like that. Yeah, no, um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't go too deep into it. So, if SZA is side chick music, what is Keisha Cole? Is that X? Is that like uh, I got dumped music? I got cheated on music? That's I got cheated on music. Keisha Cole, I got cheated on music. Yeah, I could. Yeah, okay, yeah, I like that. I got cheated on music. Um, so, uh, I'll start with you, Ben. I know you wrote some stuff down. I did. I just don't know where to go first. <clears throat> so many options. I'll start choose. simple because, um, this is one that I've expressed on here just time and time again. At this point, I don't even know if I should even say it because it's been said so much. Uh, Beyonce makes average music. It's all just really average. Um, and single lady <clears throat> should not have won song of the year. I'll just throw that out there. Throw that in there. Um, now I know you said before that the decline of Beyonce <laughs> started when she fired her dad. Yes. Well, so I'm not going to say decline because she's still selling. So I, I should just say the the uh, when she's kind of straight away from being from mixing R and B and pop, R B and hip hop and pop to where now she's just straight hip hop. Like I mean, this last album, The Carters, she, she raps more on it than she sings. <laughs> And you know she didn't write it. She didn't write any of I'm it. I'm pretty sure she didn't. Um, and I think it's really her father was kind of keeping her in the pop sphere, trying to keep, you know, like, hey, keep black people happy, keep white people happy. Fires her father. She's like, all I got to do is keep <clears> black <throat> people happy. I have built-in fans, which is why SNL had that sketch after she came out with Lemonade. Beyonce is black. <laughs> it's like, funny. yeah, you, like, now this is, like, this is Beyonce. <laughs> like, for the last 10-plus years... This is the album she's wanted to make. Now her father isn't there, you know, saying, don't do that, don't do that. She's ma- she made it, you know? 
So that's mm-hmm. what we saw. That was that was Houston. That was for Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything to add on that, Tim? Well, as you know, I follow Beyonce's career very closely. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think that, I mean, I I, I, I I, like the stuff that she's been putting out recently for the reason that I think that it's she's in a position where she can be creative. And I know she's not mm-hmm. actually writing it, but she does have the final say yes. on it, which is in a lot of ways just as important. So. I don't really disagree with you, though. It takes a lot to make me <laughs> disagree on opinion about Beyonce, if I'm being honest. All right, so um, one that I have, and uh, I, I think Ben might agree with me on this. <clears throat> Taylor Swift, the fake news of pop music, <laughs> is out of ideas. God, yes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist. And and say no, she never had any ideas. (laughs) That's right. I called out C Swift from Atlanta, Georgia. He called out caps and gowns. (laughs) Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. 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 (laughs) No, she's 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 definitely like her peak. Sadly, was fearless, which she won you know album of the year for. It was like she had. So what is nineteen eighty nine? Like the the scraps. I don't. Nineteen eighty nine was just because she 19... won album of the year for that one too, right? Yeah. I don't know why. It's catchy as hell, man. You like nineteen eighty nine? Not really, but it's still catchy as hell. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of stuff I don't like, but I was like, that's a catchy. She had song. like eight singles from it. She tried to make it Thriller. Nineteen eighty nine is Taylor Swift's Thriller. Yes, it's her The Wall. It's her The Wall. <laughs> her white album. Well, it was a white cover. It was a white... I mean, but, if but, anyone and... was going to turn on a white album... Oh! <laughs> it was going to be Taylor Swift. This is that uh, reputation. It's not... It's not... It's not... It's not... Okay. I like it It's not Michael Jackson's bad. No, it's not. I like it better than 1989, but that's... But, like, by like it better, I actually like more than one song. And... I didn't even really like one song from 1989. I just like Ryan Adams' cover of of uh, yeah. Bad Blood from his cover album that he did. Um, because it was done the way I thought it should have been done, with live instruments. And Taylor Swift has always been a, a writer who benefits more from great production and live instruments. Like, she had great Nashville session musicians playing her music. And she had, she had great Nashville producers Going like, oh, let's put strings here. Take that part out. Do this. Do that. She's a product of. It's not an insult to her, you know. Get your money, boo boo. But you know, like, she was a she was a product of the producers put around her. That's why after her what, fourth album flopped, they were like, all right, just just go go get Max Martin. Go 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 see Max Martin. He'll write you a song because you're out of ideas. Yeah, uh, Tim. What do you think? Um, I think that Taylor Swift is not. I think I think the thing that I dislike about her is that she takes herself a lot more seriously than she should. Mm-hmm. And if she... I don't know. It's sort of like with... Um, I guess it was the last album. I was watching her play on SNL and she was like sitting there playing guitar and being surrounded by <laughs> her dancers or friends or 
Craigslist actors? I don't know. Like, <laughs> she was just, like, they were, like, draped around her, and she was playing, and I remember watching her play, and I was like, oh, it's, like, the way it was tuned was, like, you literally just had to put a finger down, and you're just, like, moving that one finger over the front. And I was like, oh, you're doing, like, the simplest fucking thing you possibly mm-hmm. could. And I don't know, it was just sort of like, it's, <clears throat> it's not working because she doesn't have any ideas. She doesn't, she doesn't have anything to say. Yeah. It takes me back to a post I saw on Reddit where it was one of those, like, you know, people who knew celebrities before they got famous. Share your stories. And there was a guy who posted when he was at, he went to her high school. <laughs> and, you know, he remembers thinking, like, she was playing at a talent show and she was just, like, awful. And someone was like, hey, you got to be nice to her. That's Taylor Swift. Her dad's rich and she's going to be famous one day. And Damn. that's how they felt. Like, it wasn't like... Well, they weren't wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, when your father can buy a stake in your record company, then, yeah, you can you can just keep trying until you get it right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't care for the T-Swift. To Swift. Well, there's a reason we call her the fake news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Tim, did, did, did you did you have one? Um, I'm <laughs> I'm go, I'm gonna uh, just echo what uh, Quincy Jones said a few months ago and just say that the Beatles just weren't that great. That was next on my list. <laughs> and woo, woo, high fives! <laughs> um, <laughs> finally, someone's here to, to talk to Beatles. Okay. Well, and 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 you know, he told that story about Ringo just not being able to get like this pretty simple beat right, and they had to bring it in. A different uh, drummer to actually get it done, but there there are two other points, and like when I was talking with my friends about it, there are two other points that came up. The first is, can you name a good live album from the Beatles? And that's are there any? A, <laughs> right. There's a, well, I can I can only I can only think of two notable live performances, and neither of which had anything to do with music. It was just the fact that they were playing. Yeah, the, the Shea Stadium. The Shea, I know about that one. There was a, well, I was thinking there was the rooftop concert. Yeah, yeah I, But yeah. that was like when they hadn't been performing live in years. Yeah. And then the other one would be the Ed Sullivan show. But no one's like, oh, wow, they played really great music. Yeah. It's, oh, my God, the reaction to yeah. the crowd's reaction to that's insane, which he knows. I would say Billy thing. Preston was the best part of the rooftop concert. <laughs> I mean, like. <laughs> real talk. The, yeah. The I mean, real fifth Beatle. Um, yeah. The other point that was made was uh, in the entirety of, you know, in, in the whole of their music, what is a good solo from any of them? As an individual, as an individual performance, name one that stood out. And someone said, "Well, my guitar gently weaves." The guitar solo in that, and it was immediately pointed out that George Harrison did not play yeah. that. I, like I was, re- I, the, I, as soon as you said that, I was like, I have a feel like someone else played that yeah. solo. Yeah, it was. I think it was Eric Clapton. Yeah, it was Eric Clapton. Yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric, Cla- Eric Clapton came in to play. And then uh, the only, uh, after thinking about it, there, uh, Ringo does get a drum solo in the track, The End. So literally the last song <laughs> on one of the last albums, they let him do it. And it's so, it's not a very good drum solo. Like it's just a bum, 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 you know. And so I don't know, like if neither of them, if you can't demonstrate them playing well together live, or if you can't re- have a recording of them playing their own instruments super well, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? <laughs> also, John Lennon used to be abusive to at least his first two wives. Yeah. I really probably should have led with that. But, 
that that Bill Burr yeah. clip uh, kind of makes less yeah. sense. Yeah. Right. Because, it makes less sense if he was like that. Yeah. Right. Well, or maybe because it was live TV, he didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> it might. It might have been that. But no, I think. But I think mm-hmm. in that talking about that clip, like that was that was specifically the way that John was going to treat Yoko Ono. But the other girlfriends and wives that he had, he would scream at them, call them names. He used to shake them and beat them up. Um, yeah. Um. So yeah. Um, that's. So I guess with the Beatles, the, the the is it strong songwriting or is it strong at all? I think they're good. So I think that Paul McCartney is a strong songwriter. He's a, he's a strong yeah. pop songwriter. Yeah. Like he he does understand yeah. those mechanics very very well. Yeah, and I but I do feel that their songs are best done by other musicians. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time I came really came to that realization was when I heard a bootleg of Oasis featuring Eddie Vedder playing Day Tripper, hmm. and I'd never liked that song before. And I instantly liked it <laughs> because they played it. They played it with a little more aggression. Um, they didn't all sing at the same time, like to give these really cheesy harmonies. It just sound and they sped up the tempo. It was and I was just like, this is the way it should be done. Mm-hmm. And then I heard Jimi Hendrix's version of Sgt. Pepper's. I was like, this is better. So that's when I realized I was like, all right, so they're they're good writers, but they just they don't they can't lend what's needed to their songs. They can't give it that extra and whether it be because they're not smart enough to, or if they're just not talented enough to, yeah, you know, maybe start, maybe day tripper falls apart if they try to pay it that fast. Yeah. No. And I think that, um, cheap trick was, I think it was cheap trick used to do, or they, there was a, at a certain point they were going to perform Sergeant Pepper's, the album live mm-hmm. in its entirety from beginning to end. And the setup on the stage that was needed to recreate everything that you would need to actually play it close to the album yeah. was insane. Like yeah. it, it, it took up, it, like aside from the orchestra that you have in, in, in the song A Day in a Life, like you still, like the, just the effect equipment yeah. that they had to have. And I don't know, like at the same time, like with Queen, say, mm. they would go ahead and like, well, we're just going to do it this way we're not going to go through all those effects. We're just going to do it a more raw version of yeah. it. And we're still going to do it live and it's still going to be great. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I had to just steal my first unpopular opinion from Quincy Jones. Um, damn good opinion. Well, yeah, yeah, you definitely weren't alone in that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one that I have was, I'm going to play this clip. I saw this video like, like three hours ago. Oh, okay. And uh, it kind of like shapes one of my unpopular opinions. From the window to the wall, to the wall, to the sweat run down my balls. All these bitches the hell was that? <laughs> I hate hipsters so much. What the hell did you just listen to? Um, so, so this this was a like a parody video. This was supposed to be comedy. Um, if Get oh. Low was an indie song, <laughs> that's how it would sound. <laughs> Um, shout out to one Mastodon on Instagram. Uh, 
But uh, was that the band Mastodon? No. Oh, okay, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, acoustic covers of rap songs. Um, why does no one talk about it? And is it being cultural appropriation? Yeah. Everyone's too busy getting drunk to him at the bar. <laughs> um, when I see them on YouTube, when someone's performing them in a coffee shop. Um, how how often does that last one happen? Where I, like just I, I'm not I'm not I'm not discounting your experience you know, I, by no means, but I am curious how often you run into that. Uh, well, not that it's being like performed like an open mic, okay. but I do hear it like the the rare time I walk into a Starbucks. Okay. It keeps happening. The bucks. <laughs> um, you know, anytime Drake comes out with a new song, here's some white girl who just picked up a guitar and is going to start playing, um, start playing this Drake song and try to make it her own. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's better than the original. They say that immediately. At this point, I think it's more of a cash grab, honestly. Throw it on Spotify, see if you can get some clicks. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with it. Just because I. I, I think when I was first learning to play the guitar, I was doing that because I thought it was like a funny thing to do. Like, <laughs> oh, here's Tim with a guitar and he's trying to do you know Boys in the Hood or, or by Dynamite Hack or oh, something. Oh, that like was that. pure comedy gold, <laughs> right? And that was the thing. And it's for some reason I think it only really works with that song mm-hmm. or the way that they did it because everything after that was just sort of just it just didn't work the same way. They started a crazy trend. <laughs> And that's their lasting impact. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, I, I hate seeing it. Um, and it's just, uh, those songs could all, they, you could switch out the lyrics and somebody could be playing the same chords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just switch out the lyrics and it would make a difference. So yep. they all run together <laughs> too. Um, but uh, it, it's killing it's killing the culture. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say on that. It, on its own, it's killing the culture. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Ben, do you have another one? Yes, I do. I feel like this one's gonna split us though. Um, <clears throat> Nickelback are the smartest rock band in the last twenty years. Hmm. And I know everyone's like, "What do you mean the smartest rock band in the last twenty years?" Uh, I, I can I can venture a guess, but if you want to explain what you mean, so essentially what Nickelback does, so I I, I compare them to Sugar Ray. Hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> so holy shit! Well, no, because hold on before you explain. Let me let me do some stretches because I feel we're in for a long walk. <laughs> Gonna limber up. So. <laughs> All right, so actually, all right, so do this for me, Greg. Pull up uh, Floored by Sugar Ray. So, of course, that's their second album. Their first one's Lemonade and Brownies. On Sugar Ray's second album, their big single was, what, Fly? Fly, was featuring Supercat. Supercat, no. Now, um, what what track number is Fly? Is that like the second or third? The one with Supercat is number four. Mm-hmm. The one without him is the last one, number 13. Play their first track. The first track of the album? Of Floored, yeah. So, this sounds nothing like Fly. <laughs> this is what their f- entire first album was like. Um, they wanted to make some money, so they lightened it up a little bit. Okay, so now... Play- Sampled Radmobile or something? 
I don't know what they sampled. I'll let it start playing though. This is the second track, Breathe. Okay, it goes into okay. So now play fly. Well, people have heard fly. They you know what fly sounds like. I just wanna fly. What it is. Outside of Fly, that was the entire album. Those types of songs, heavier songs that people who like Fly aren't gonna listen to. Yeah. Fly's the single. Back then when album sales are a big deal, you you give them a good single, people go buy your album thinking, oh, the whole album's like this, and they pick it up and it's the music that they want to do. Right. And they did that also. So they did that with the first album. They did it with their second. To a degree, they did it with their third. Um, as they kept going on, though, the music more so just started. They started, started giving me <clears> the <throat> album of flies, you know. <laughs> and every morning. Another follow-up album, yeah. Rotting Fruit. So fast forward a few years to a band called Nickelback. Their first album is called Curbed. It sounds like Canadian Godsmack. Like it's it sounds like Godsmack meets Alice in Chains. It's like actually very very grungy and heavy. Um, I read an interview with Chad Kroger. He was like, you know, those first two albums, Curbed and The State, they were like, you know, a producer was like, if you stop screaming so much and like you know get like up your production value, you'll sell more records. So then you go you go forward and they start making these songs that are more polished they're more formulaic but the rest of the album doesn't match that's what they're doing they're basically like we'll make we'll we'll sell you a single but then also they're like we'll sell the rock stations a single and then everything else would be what we want you know who also does that who train yes train did do that meet virginia was the single everything else was like (laughs) they'll give you one was like roots rock like blues based roots rock and so like so, like, if you listen to um, All the Right Reasons, like, that had Photograph on it. It had Photograph, and <laughs> <laughs> I think that was that. I think that was the only soft single. Everything else. Far Away. Oh, God, I hate that song. <laughs> Far Away was on there. I hate both. Oh, of- If Everyone Cared. Oh, yeah, that was a song with, like, they put, like, Silver Rights stuff in it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to sample that for a rock song, by the for a rap song, by the way. But, like, everything else on there, like, they had a tribute to Dimebag Daryl on that album in which he played it. They took one of his solos and put it in there because they're actually friends with Dimebag Daryl. So, like, everything, like, they they just basically litter their album. You get, like, two or three singles we can send to Star 94. You get one or two singles I can send to 99X, and everything else is, like, really heavy. And that's just what they do. Now, they don't even care anymore. Just their whole album's heavy now. Um and I think that's where they're genius. They're basically tricking you into buying an album with two songs that you might like, and that's it. And they've wrote he wrote that to Marion Gavlevine. <laughs> I can't say they that were face. they were the king and queen of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> the king and queen of of Canadian grunge? Oh God, question hurts mark my, hurts my chest. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So. God. So basically, I think they sold a bunch of records just off of tricking people because like they would just make albums <clears throat> full of music that if you bought their album, you wouldn't like. And you just be like, what the hell did I just buy? <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Um, one. Uh, well, uh, Tim. Yeah. Um, the other, I guess like uh, maybe something that's a little bit more uh, controversial would be um, we need to really scale back our, our feelings about Nirvana and the impact of Nirvana. 
Whoa, buddy. <laughs> um, I'm not just like with the Beatles. I'm not saying that they're not good. They're they're very good. Kurt Cobain was a kind of a talented songwriter. Um, Dave Grohl obviously was uh, is a very talented drummer as well. And then the third guy, I'm sure he's doing fine too. <laughs> Um, but no, I think that, um, it's, it's, I, I think that when, I, I guess when I was thinking about like the music opinions, I was usually thinking about like the top 100 bands of rock and roll or, or, or things like that. And I remember thinking that, or remember noticing that Nirvana was usually like way up near the top mm-hmm. and I don't know why, because it's a lot of the songs are as a victim of the style. A lot of the songs sound the same mm-hmm. and I I, I think that what impact they had was not <clears throat> like, oh, we're going to remember this for the next 50 years. It's like, well, we'll definitely remember this for like the next 20. But like in 10 years, I would be I would be surprised if people are still like, oh, your Nirvana is a big influence on me. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> it isn't. Like, and Nickelback will be a bigger influence in, in 15 <laughs> years than, than Nirvana. So, yeah, I it's not, again, it's not that I don't like it. It's that I don't think that it's, that big of a deal like if it wasn't going to come from nirvana that kind of like impact of brunch music if it wasn't going to come from them it was definitely going to come from somebody coming out Mm -hmm. of seattle at that point and there's nothing and i think that we're more inclined to romanticize it because kurt cobain killed himself and that's another unpopular music opinion kurt cobain killed himself yeah Definitely. Um, Good conspiracy theory, too. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of when you said that you see these um, rankings of artists and Nirvana's way up there. I still remember, like, um, remember when VH1 was doing those? Yeah. All those greatest lists. The first thing they did, the 100 greatest artists of rock and roll. Number one, of course, was the Beatles. Right. Number two, I think, was the Rolling Stones. Yeah, that sounds right. It would be. Or like, they're somewhere in the top five. Yeah, yeah. They, they would have to. Um, for considering that ranking, like not that I agree with it, but yeah. One that kind of stuck out to me is that I think Paul McCartney was number forty by himself. That's weird. John Lennon was number fifteen. That's kind wow. of weirder. Yeah. Uh, so I was trying to, and I. This has been like twenty years. I still don't know how that is. I, you're going to think about it for another 20 years. <laughs> like there's no, I, there's not a reason for that to happen. I, I don't know. Like I think, oh, just like, ima- here's another one. Imagine's not that great of a song. Thank you. It's not. Thank it, you. It's four chords. It's this close to being a chain smoker song. <laughs> that or, was, maybe that's where they got their inspiration. <laughs> The, the lyrical sentiment is very nice, but I think that it's also one of those, it's one of those things that where it's like, because he was murdered, um, and because it was like part of this cultural zeitgeist with baby boomers, that sort of thing tends to get heavily overstated, and as mm. far as influence, like, I've never met anyone that said, oh, I listened to Imagine, and now I work towards world peace. <laughs> or even, I listened to Imagine, and now I want to be a musician. Yeah, like it doesn't. That doesn't make. Uh, what was what? There's um a Stephen Sill song. It's like a treetop flyer, mm. or, or I think, I think the name of it. Yeah, there's and there, but uh, that song 
a lot of guitarists, a lot of musicians that I've heard um, said, I listened to that song and that's when I wanted to be a musician. And, and mm-hmm. like, you never hear about Treetop Flyer. I, um, I oversold Paul McCartney. <laughs> he was number 62. Jesus. And John Lennon was number 16. So I knew he was, like, way up there. Yeah. Well, it would, be, it would have been funnier if they had Paul McCartney as 64. <laughs> Never mind. Um, no, I agree. I I do think Imagine is 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 hugely, grossly overrated. I it bores me to tears. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. There's nothing. There's what nothing. about uh, Perfect Circles cover of it? I I won't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> the the last mm. the last interesting cover of it was when CeeLo Green sang it. Um, that New Year's, and everyone got mad at him because he changed the uh, changed the lyric. And I think that it had less to do with Imagine the song, but it was just that he had changed a lyric. And... No, no. It's because he's black. Oh. Always because he's black. Yeah. CeeLo Green's black? Yes, not green. <laughs> CeeLo black? <laughs> I'm finding out a lot. Like CeeLo... His, his last name's not even green, so... <laughs> CeeLo Green black? What? I don't... <laughs> I learned that Skeeter from Doug was black. I learned that <laughs> CeeLo Green is black. What's funny is that uh, I'm looking at this list again, and they had, it was from this website, rockonthenet.com. Uh, so Rockonthenet.net is a missed opportunity. On the net. <laughs> being on the net, it was, this website was formed soon after the movie The Net came out. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so Sandra Bullock wanted some of that. <laughs> So uh, they had VH1's rankings, and then they had their reader rankings on the side. So they had number one, the Beatles. The readers had number one, the Beatles. What's funny here, on VH1, number nine is the Who. On the For the readers, the Who were ranked number 90. Jesus. Wow. That's... That's wrong. Yeah, like, that's, that's really wrong. That's categorically false. This is fake news. Yeah. <laughs> I re- well, it was, I, I guess like for the Beatles, what's weird about my opinion is that when I was growing up, that's what I thought. Like that's how I felt about it. And I was listening to a lot of my dad's music. He had like this really insane CD library and a lot of Beatles albums and not a lot of Who albums. Mm. And I remember talking to him once a few years ago, and I was like, yeah, you know, people generally think of the Beatles as the greatest of all time. And he was like, really? That is, I, I wouldn't say that. And mm. I was like, well, that's weird, because you own all of their albums. <laughs> and he was like, and I asked him who he thought the greatest band was, and he said, eh, probably The Who, like, for live performances and, mm. and the album work and um, the interesting music and approaches. And like, I would say them. I was like, why didn't you own any of their stuff? <laughs> Like, he had Tommy, and that was it. And, huh. and I don't understand why. Uh, another unpopular opinion that I have. <clears throat> uh, well, I, I, I guess it's unpopular because he only made one album, one solo album. J.C. Chazay is a better singer That's than Justin Timberlake. That's in mine, too. That's in mine, too. Uh, I prefer Schizophrenic to yeah. Justified. And um, it's disappointing. Uh, Well, you know what? It might be J.C. Chazay's fault. You know, he messed around with Tara Reid. Oh, God. (laughs) And uh, then he grew that mullet, and that just, he he threw his career away. No, I I wholeheartedly agree. Just from a a technique standpoint, I prefer to hear J.C. sing over, I mean, like, 
granted, you know, Justin did, you know, develop into a good singer. But, like, at that time, JC just vocal-wise just blew him away. Like, he could do things that, you know, Justin couldn't do. Justin did come into his own, so to speak, if that's what you want to call it. But JC, not only was he more talented as a singer and performer, he seemed to actually have better taste in music, too, and made an album that, you know, combined pop, it combined rock, it had techno, when nobody was really... A lot of pop artists weren't working with EDM DJs. He had a song with, what, Basement Jacks? Or was it the Chemical Brothers? Basement Jacks. Basement Jacks. Which is, you know, a trend that really would not pick up for another, almost, what, 10, 15 years. Now everyone does it. You know, back then, you know, didn't they do Adidas? They did his song Adidas, or did they do more with him? Like, every song on the record was different. Yeah. He didn't take the easy route. He didn't go get the hot producers. And that that's why Justify <laughs> was more popular because Tim Blake went and got the hot producers. Yeah. And, and there JC, was only two of them at the time, the Neptunes and Timberland. And JC took the chance. <laughs> yeah. He got Dallas Austin. That's the closest. Everyone else were just people that like, he probably liked and respected, but like they weren't making hit singles for him, you know. That's Tim and Daily contribute. <laughs> I wonder, like, uh, well, Tim well, might not know what we're talking about here. You're right. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I follow Justin Timberlake's career very closely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I got nothing. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna agree. All right. Cool. <laughs> Sounds uh, great. Ben, what else you got? Um, let's see. I don't feel like this is unpopular, but maybe it is. I don't know. I think Freddie Mercury is a better singer than Robert Plant. I feel like yeah, Freddie Mercury is probably one of the yeah five I, best like, yeah. male vocalists, regardless <laughs> of genre. Yeah, there's ever. so many I, people that you know. The only person I could name offhand that might be a better singer than than Freddie Mercury would be Aretha Franklin. Yeah, <laughs> I love absolutely love Freddie Mercury. There's just so many people who because I also think that Queen is better than Led Zeppelin. And that that's an argument right there in that's, itself. That that I felt Queen was more. They're more verse. They were more versatile than mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, and because they're they're not because they were, you know, they did a crazy little thing called Love. Mm-hmm. That's a country song. Yeah, but also looking at the arena rock jock jams classics <laughs> that have endured, that's all people see them as. Mm-hmm. I don't think they listen to or pay too much attention to like the other stuff they did, even throughout the eighties, there's a lot of good stuff they did. Yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. I think that when comparing them to Led Zeppelin, I think that they were, Queen was definitely more willing to take a risk. on yeah. something. Yeah. And Led Zeppelin was not like, it, it just, it just never got like the risks quote unquote that they would be taking would be maybe. in as far as like writing, but they, they didn't push style. Like yeah. it was just, we're going to steal from folk music. We're going to steal from blues music. Yeah. We're going to steal from old rock. And, um, I'm going to fuck with this amplifier and distortion <laughs> a little bit. Um, you know, Robert Plant's going to lock himself in a cabin and write the lyrics to stairway to heaven because of like a thing he heard one time in a bar anyway. So like that's, that's as far as it would go for them. Mm-hmm. To great effect, but um, but yeah, no, I I wouldn't yeah. like Pretty Mercury is one of the best. I I I, I couldn't I couldn't I could not name a better. I could not name a male singer that I would rather hear. Yeah, it's so it's and the more I think about it too, I really think um, their strengths were each other's weaknesses. So like I do think that John Paul Jones and John Bottom were the you know were better drummers than I cannot think of the drummer from Queen 
are the bass player from Queen, but... Oh, I used to know... Um, yeah, I know what you mean, though, yeah. Yeah, whereas Brian May and Freddie Mercury, I do believe, and some people might consider this blasphemy, I think Brian May is better than, <laughs> than Jimmy Page. Page. Ooh. I think Brian May, like... And I mean, like, outside of Stairway to Heaven, I can't think of any other solo from Led Zeppelin that just absolutely blew me away. Like, I get it. The rip to... Um, the riff to um, Rocket Earl or Whole Lot of not Love. Rocket, whole Lot of Love. Yeah, I can't even think of it. Whole Lot of Love was a great riff, but like the, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, the solo in, I, I think the solo in Killer Queen is better than Outside of Stairway to Heaven, better than anything that Robert, that not Robert Plant, geez, Jimmy Page did. I just think he was a better, better guitar player. I think that was just a better combo, but. Yeah, I th- and I think that's what it is. Is that yeah. I would say that Freddie, Mer- Freddie Mercury and Brian May definitely worked better yeah. together than than Plant and Plant, Plant and Page. Page. Yeah, whereas just you know Jimmy Page just he looked cool. He had the you know, and I mean this is coming from a guy who plays a Les Paul. Yeah. <laughs> like I play Les Pauls. I get it. You know, I used to want to be like you know him and Slash, and you know be the tall guitar player with the Les Paul and the Marshall. Um, and then I just really started studying and listening to what Brian May did more. And I was like, I just—he's. I had to come to that conclusion. Like he's just—he's better. He's just—he's just better. <laughs> and he built that guitar. <laughs> he also has a PhD <clears throat> in astrophysics. Yeah. What really? Yeah. Brian May. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, oh, um, well, they were. I think the story was is that they were all in school when they formed the band. And anyone, feel free to correct me on this. They were in school and they had formed the band as a way of like earning some extra cash. And then they decided that before they signed with the label, they were going to finish their educations. So the drummer actually has a degree in dentistry. Like he's, he could be, he, at the time he could have been a licensed dentist. <laughs> and Brian May was studying like astrophysics. And then I think it was after, or at some point in the eighties, or maybe it happened after Freddie Mercury died, Brian May went back to get his doctorate in astrophysics. Wow. Okay. And got, and got it. Like he's not just, like he wasn't just a candidate. Like he, he got it. Wow. Okay. Right. Like, isn't that's that's that's, that's even why he, that's why he's better than Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page, in the meantime, he's yeah. fighting off lawsuits. Yeah, making snarky comments, watching women use sharks. But hey, man. That's, that's not what happened. Uh, he was a snapper. Uh, did you have another one, Tim? Um, uh, I don't know. Like, how much time do we have to like shit on Madonna? <gasps> I want to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Madonna's awful. Like overall? Or <laughs> yeah, did like, she, I, I think the, I, the career deteriorate over time. I you know, I, I would I would I would say like from the beginning I always thought that Madonna was was very, very, very overrated. I think that she was picked up because um because they needed you like we're looking for like a female vocalist that we could all like rally behind as a nation. It was the eighties. <laughs> President Reagan was there. We all needed a hero, maybe. I don't think she was. She. She. I don't think Madonna was ever seen as like as a conservative. Feminist. No, no. But I think a uh, conservative, not a female, conservative, but like the. But no, like I don't mean a conservative. Just like, like when like, I think of that, needed, I think of someone like Debbie Boone or something. Like I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Lighting up our lives. <laughs> Light up my life. No, I, I, meant, I meant like the, the liberal Debbie Moon. <laughs> we needed a liberal, a Debbie, liberal Moon. Debbie Moon. <laughs> so we'll give you that. She's but, not the greatest singer. But also, <laughs> that, like, what, like, I think that aside from, 
I will give her credit for the work in the early '90s where she was like pushing erotic. What was it? Erotica. Erotica. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like trying to like explore things that are taboo and being um, maybe open with her sexuality. And in the performance where she was writing a veil question mark at the MTV Awards, am I the only one that remembers that? I don't that? know. I oh, she did like a virgin. Yeah, she did like a virgin. Oh, at yeah, one point yeah. And to like put the veil down and sort of straddling yeah. it, and everyone got upset because you know we have to have something to be upset about. <laughs> anyway, so like aside from like pushing a little bit of the boundaries on that, which could have been done by anybody, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that she ever really did anything that contributed to the musical discourse I don't and she's not a very good singer no she's not she's been very lucky with her songwriting um, people and yeah, her Patrick producers. Leonard was a big part of her success well, like, think... La Isle Benita will is now stuck in my head just that we've started to talk about <laughs> would you say that I think musically I could I could understand where you're coming from sure as, but I think with like visually sure yeah. Visually, that's what she contributed the most as far as music videos, as far as her image. You know, she was she was a trendsetter mm-hmm. uh, in at least in the 80s to where girls were doing their hair like hers. They were wearing 25 bracelets on each arm. Um, but I, yeah, you know, they were staying I so I, I think she contributed more visually than I, musically. And I, and I, yeah, and I, I think that's I think that's fair, but I don't think. But I think that if the conversation is about what her music contributions were, that's that's where I would differ. And um, um, but yeah, and like no, like I was I was kind of beating around the point when I was mentioning erotica. But yeah, like that sort of thing, sure. But I also feel like that could have been done. Like there was nothing that was like Madonna specific. Like only Madonna was going to come along and do this. Well, I, th- I think also, um, <clears throat> I guess in a way, um. Like I do, I do understand your point. Sure, um, we're we're, I think, al- but, we're allowed but, to fight. Like that's yeah, fine. I'm just saying. But this is what <laughs> what what Madonna gets, what she gets credit for musically, is the power of reinventing herself. I got feelings on that, but go on. So so she, you know, it was it was you know straight pop throughout the '80s, and then. Um, in the 90s, she started doing ballads, you know, working with Babyface. And then uh, late 90s, Ray of Light comes out. So now she's doing EDM. Um, and she had an album, uh, Music, which was kind of trendy, maybe ripping off whatever the UK was doing at the time. Yeah, that, was, that was totally <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't, wasn't Ray of Light on music? Mm, no, Ray no. of Light was Ray yeah. of Light. What was, what was the hit on music? Music, music. And, was it? And, oh, and, uh, what it feels like for a girl. <laughs> yeah, that's of course. Where, music. music is when we were introduced to uh, Ali Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, I hate yeah. that song. Yeah, I'm still uh, on her career in the 2000s. I, I still, I don't know what she. I was mean, she doing. was. I'm just saying she was doing new things. Yeah, and sure. people were still buying it. But I don't think that any. I, I think that the and as far as reinventing yourself is she doing like a different style yes i think she is but the styles that she's like moving between until you get to edm aren't or even the way that she approached edm it, it, there was always like the core of what she was doing and i don't think if i was making pop music and then i was making like a, a soul ballad i'm not actually jumping that far like i don't think it's that big of a risk <clears throat> 
I, I, I don't feel that way. Yeah. And and to mention Bob Dylan again, like for him to go from I'm playing folk music to now I'm playing rock and roll. And then in the eight, in the 70s to go from I'm playing rock and roll, now I'm playing gospel music and I'm preaching, you know, all of you are going to hell. Like those that, like music cells are, you know, very similar, but those, like the, those were bigger risks because there was an expectation of what he had or should be doing and there was never really that feeling with Madonna there was never oh Madonna has to turn this turn this out and she has to do the exact same thing I can, I can understand that um, and I understand what you're saying yeah alright I'm a huge Madonna <laughs> fan I'm not gonna lie um, but everything that you said so and I guess this is why we do these types of things because no because it makes me think because when I think back to all of the things I like about Madonna it could have been anyone. Um, I do know there was a lot that she did as far as production wise, because I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge pop music fan. So there's going to be a little bit of a slight bias. Um, but as far as it goes, like a lot of it was done by the people around her. Yeah. So, you know, Patrick Leonard or Neil Rogers, who produced and wrote a lot of her first album, Patrick Leonard, who later came on, wrote one of my favorite songs by her, which is, you know, um, um, from the, from at close range. What is the name of that song? Live to Live tell. To tell. No, that's a Patrick Leonard song. I love the musicians that played on that song. Her vocals, I could take or leave it. As a matter of fact, I spent a lot of time trying to find covers of it so I could hear better singers <laughs> singing it. So when I think about stuff like that, it's just like, well, did I really like Madonna or did I just like the machine which she was in? Sure. That that you know that put her out. I don't know how many decisions behind these she was making. I did hear. When I read like about like one of the you know better performed pop songs I think was um, like a prayer, like the bass player is playing his ass off on there. Like there's a lot of really good musicianship on that song, but she had nothing to do with that. Like yeah. that was the producer found that bass player. I remember reading about that. <clears throat> you know, like it, none of these were her decisions. So like, yeah, what has she actually done besides yeah. show up? <laughs> Showed up and was on time. Well, yeah. no, that, now, nowadays that's not even the case. Like, yeah. I, have, I have two friends that any time that Madonna's close by, they spend the money on the nice tickets, they show up on time, mm -hmm. and she will show up three hours late. Yeah. They said one time it was four. Wow. Now, I will say, I have heard from, and this is just, I, I'm not a dancer, but just coming from my fiance who has danced, she's apparently a very good dancer. Like, she's, like, trained. So that was one thing that really stood out about her. Like, over the years, I don't know how well she does it now. But like in her early in the eighties and the nineties, she's actually a very talented dancer. But that's about the extent of which I know she's. I know she's not a great musician. She tried to play guitar at one of her shows, and it didn't sound that good. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, one that I have, I didn't write this down, but it, it made me think. Just when you said Madonna showed up three hours late, oh boy, <laughs> I know you're going. Why aren't we done with Lauren Hill yet? I think that we're scared to be <laughs> like, I'm not like, I mean that as a joke, but I also mean like, I think that we're genuinely scared to let her go because we don't want her to be the person that only had like one hit or one great album. That, that was 20 years ago, Tim. Dude, I know how long ago it yeah. was. 
I was there. She was on the twentieth anniversary <laughs> tour. But imagine though, I know for that album, she made nothing else. But you gotta imagine nothing. Though. So the nothing. Look, the, the look of shock Not on your face made me thing. think that I had missed a Lauren Hill hit. Like how could you say she only had one hit twenty years <laughs> ago? Too. Yeah, I thought that too. Actually, yeah, yeah, like that's <laughs> Not that's a where damn thing. I know she hasn't done much, but I, I think that we're. It's like, been fifteen years since that unplugged fiasco. But the comeback, so that's the thing. So, like, to piggyback Everyone's off of being waiting afraid, for her to come back. She didn't come back. But you want to be there when she does, so you can be like, you I never left. Miss it. I never left. It's why, like, when you give someone a Lifetime Achievement Award, but they still make movies and albums, like, and you, like, you <laughs> always show up because you don't want to miss it when they're not good or alive anymore. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I don't disagree with you. I think... She doesn't even show up for her own shit. <laughs> She's not showing up. She's not there. But that Listen, is a way, I'm scared of Lauren Hill. I'm saying it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> if I on... don't show up and support Lauren Hill, she is going to find me. Lauren Hill on the net. net. <laughs> <laughs> no, that it's kind of a wasted talent, though. I mean, like we got that one great album, and after that, she just didn't. Whether she didn't want to, or whether she went crazy, or whether she just stopped caring. She is damn near Sean Connery in Finding Forrester. I've never seen Finding Forrester, so I don't understand that reference. It's it's a, the last movie he did, and oh, was... obviously but had phoned out like before he <laughs> oh, showed real? up. Yeah, that's the one where he goes, "You're the man now, dog," and that's the only memorable part of that. <laughs> the plot, the plot of that movie is less memorable than damn. him doing that. It, it make it makes less sense. I think You're the movie the, the movie makes over. less sense if you if you it's like a two it makes more sense if you just say that one line yeah if you explain the plot it makes less sense because it's about it, it's a young it's a young black author that's going to his hero Sean Connery no no or oh, I don't a, he is he's this great writer and he's at a public school mm. but he also is a good basketball player. Oh, I thought you were talking about Sean Connery for a no, second. No, 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 the other kid. So he gets into this private school that has a good basketball team, and he's taking this English class, being taught by F. Murray Abraham, right? Who's a dick. When, well, when you need a dick, you usually hire F. Murray Abraham. And then um, Sean Connery's character is this author who had one great book. He won the Pulitzer. It's this. It's the great American novel, and now he's living in a in an apartment where he never leaves. He never goes outside, mm-hmm. and uh, because the other guy, he's a kid. The other kids are like, you know, that's the old man. He's the scary old man, so they try to bother him. And but they end up becoming friends uh, by writing together um, because the kid has this great writing talent. But he's also good at basketball. So why why not both? <laughs> well, he's not he's not seen as everyone else sees him as a good basketball player. Only Sean Connery's character sees him as also, a good writer. Also a good, also writer. A good okay. writer. Yeah. You're the man now, dog. I remember that line though. I've never seen that. That was that, that was in the though. trailer, and I'm not gonna lie, um, they spoiled the movie by Aww. including that in the trailer. Because by including it in the trailer, now I don't have to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've obviously seen the best part that you have. So Lauren Hill is Sean Connery. Is Sean Connery. She oh. doesn't have she doesn't have the young black kid to take under her wing 
yet. Mm. But she just has that one great American album. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm not going to disagree, but I'm still going to... Yeah, I'm going to go to a Lauren Hill concert. I'm still going to not go to a Lauren <laughs> Hill concert. As you know, I follow Lauren Hill's career very closely. <laughs> Was that one real? <laughs> Actually, out of the three, that's probably the one that I paid the most attention to in my life. Uh, there is one that I had that I think people will realize it uh, as they get older. Uh, Off the Wall is better than Thriller. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, mm. I don't. I don't know if I can rock with that. What was, what was what was what was on off the wall? I don't well, know. I can say it was better than bad. I don't, know. Uh, don't stop till you get enough. Uh-huh. Um, it also had uh, rock with you. Mm-hmm. Working day and night. Working day and night. She's out of my life. I can't help it. Uh, girlfriend. It's the Fallen in Love. I haven't named every song. <laughs> Woke up, burn this, go, burn this disco out. But this was 1979. Right. So you could have a song you like could, that. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, think... now fire regulations are a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what was on Thriller outside of Thriller? Want to be starting something? Mm-hmm. Baby, be mine. Yeah, the girl is mine. Beat it, Billy Jean. Human nature, the one song that Sam Smith likes. Pyt and the lady of my life. So you say it's Sam Smith like you one song gives it the edge. I say that Sam Smith probably actually likes. Yeah, album. I was gonna say like, <laughs> oh, this is a good album, and then you brought up Sam Smith again, and now I'm no, no, I'm. Back. This song, this album is. I, I mean, there's there's not a bad song on this album. I don't think there's a bad song on Off the Wall. Eh, I, I don't know. This is, I this this might possibly be the best pop album of all. Like it's that like every track could be uh, shit. I think every track was a single. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like out of offhand, I rem- I re- remember more songs off of Thriller than than Off the Wall. That doesn't mean that Off the Wall is better or worse. It's just in as far as my recall I think what makes off the wall um, what gives the edge off the wall to me is um, the well Robert Tipperton wrote on both albums Mm -hmm. Um, but I think his songs that he it, it also shows like how underrated his band Heatwave actually was because he had songs for them that they turned down. They turned down Rock With You. Hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to give it to this kid, Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never be anything. Like, like oh, whatever. Uh-huh. I think they were all like, well, whatever. It's cool. <laughs> like, well, we missed that one. But I think um, the... At some I th- The song Thriller is weird to me. It's basically like a horror movie musical. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And I, I don't know, like, I, I understand what you mean. Like, it, it feels like a hand overproduced. Well, they probably made it with the video in mind, I have to imagine. That's a good point. Because, especially, well, I don't well, know. That, I think that's why people like may like Thriller more, because of the visuals that are with it. 
but as far as the music itself, the music is solid though. Like every song on Thriller, it's just like it's it's it is pop songwriting at its tightest. <laughs> like not a moment is wasted really in any of these songs. Like he they don't even the songs that you know that Michael Jackson wrote by himself. You know, beat it. There's not a moment wasted in beat it. Like it's just from start to finish, it's a thrill ride. Like just I don't know. Like it's. <laughs> I even with off the wall, it was music of its time, but it still has aged very well. I think it's aged better than Thriller. No, that's all I'm gonna say about it. <laughs> it Call is, in it, if it, you disagree. <laughs> I, I understand it's an unpopular opinion, man, because the record sales show it. Yeah. <laughs> it's an unpopular opinion. Yeah, well, just because something's popular doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to share share with y'all, and I, I've said this, I think, when we were doing our Black History Month uh, series, um, all music that is popular in America came from black people. Why did you look at me when you said that? I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I, I, Tim is white. What? Yes. <laughs> Whoops, I pulled the veil back. Yeah. Surprise! They were, were going to find out tonight on Facebook Live. Uh, <laughs> Surprise! Holy crap. He just wears... Uh, anyway, um, no, I don't, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think that it's... Uh, when it comes to... I think that if you're going to have a serious discussion about almost any form of music that's popular in the United States, the root of it always goes back to an African-American performer or writer or musician. It It's to pretend otherwise is, I think it's racist. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone here is going to disagree with me. <laughs> um, but no, like I think, you know, it, yeah, like I, I just, I just don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. I, I, yeah. If you're, if you're going to have a serious conversation about it, you need to acknowledge it. And I think that there are even certain, musicians and artists where you kind of have to go out of your way to make sure that people understand and realize that a lot of what this specific artist is doing, and I'm thinking of Elvis in particular, um, a lot of what he is doing, he is, what do you call it, stealing or borrowing or imitating or whatever, but he's, that, he's, well, he's yeah, pulling, I mean, he was doing, he's, he's doing pull- R&B and he's doing gospel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can go... I mean, but I like I I kind of dug in deeper with it as far as did grunge not come from Jimi Hendrix? I well, mean, did did yeah. did it? Like, dude, yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I mean, it right. all developed and, from, and then like his style came from uh, from blues as far yeah. as Robert Johnson or Sun House or Howlin' Wolf or Muddy Waters. Sure. Yeah, and well, I think that a lot of uh, a lot of blues, like I think Muddy Waters, like for not being a rock and roll musician per se, mm-hmm. probably is the only person that really deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because literally everyone that came out in the 1960s, like, in the hell, the Rolling Stones named themselves after a yeah. Muddy Waters song. <laughs> you know, like, and. Or we can look at, uh, like, with that Bill Burr clip, uh, Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry is the reason John Lennon picked up a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I, or there was, I remember reading an interview with John Lennon, and John Lennon had um, uh, like a bunch of records out, and they were all, you know, it was like, um, it was all like um, um, pop music or like Motown music, and it was like those like three 
person groups like the Supremes. I can't name any others, unfortunately, but but it was like all groups like that. And he said the only music that we were ever really trying to make was like songs like that. Like yeah. the, those are the songs that we were trying to do. What was it with uh, Rod Stewart saying that? Um, he, he wanted to sound like Sam Cooke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said that he was obsessed with Sam Cooke and that he like he would listen to Sam Cooke just to get the phrasing right. Yeah. Like any phrasing that Rod Stewart has, he is taking from Sam Cooke. And that is why I always say the British just have an appreciation for old blues and soul that we just do not have here but, on a mass scale. But we do have an appreciation of British musicians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming to the United States yeah. and like oh. playing the soul music that people someone's playing down the street. Like, right. it's like... For some reason, we need the veneer of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, like another go to possible the <laughs> another possible unpopular opinion. If Adele was black, oh, would she God. have the success that she's had? That's a very good question. If she was British, I think I, if she was I, black and British. I think because we saw. <laughs> Well, well, I'll just put it this way. Maybe not in America because Leona Lewis was, was successful internationally. Yeah. Leona Lewis, who is, you know, as close to, to a black British Adele, like if we're, if we're testing that theory, had a huge hit here, had a couple of huge hits, but did not have as big of a career as Adele. And I don't think it's because Adele is white. I honestly just think it's because Adele was something different. I think any artist that came out, because there were... There were other white British soul singers that came out before Adele yeah. that did not break like Adele. And if you look at Adele, it's not she's not the prettiest, she's not the most in shape. She's, you know, she really defies, you know, she's like a Brig- British Megan trainer. <laughs> what Wait, <else>? what? <laughs> okay. That's, that, that is an insult to Adele. That's right the weirdest. <laughs> not only is that an insult, that's just the weirdest thing. I don't I've, but I'm just like in terms of like she's not your prototypical pop star. Sure, sure. I, and it's no, yeah. still, and right. she made it work. And I really think early on she was riding on songwriting. I think that's why. And I think Chasing Pavements was nominated for Song of the Year. That's why I, I think they was it was and, really. And I think that's that's why if if Fidel was black, would she still be popular and with I, the same strong songwriting? With yeah, with that with yeah. the songs because I think that the a song like Chasing Pavement and someone like you like yeah. it really hits the core an emotional core yeah. of that you know people people like to to listen to that and emotionally yeah. cut themselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's what that is and i you know whether she was black or white or or, or whatever race i think that i i think that if if she came out with that material that it would still it would still have the impact um i had one more and i'll go back to you ben if you had any more um Will Smith does not get the respect he deserves. I saw a video about that the other day on YouTube, actually. And he made a lot of good points, and I am inclined to agree. What, uh, what were the points of his hip-hop stylings? Well, I just, haven't seen this video. So uh, well, he talked you. a lot about how... So he compared him as a storyteller to Slick Rick back, okay. in, the, in, back in the 80s. Because, and I never realized that was his style. He was a storyteller yeah, rapper. The, yeah, the early stuff was. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like the, um, and then, the you know, later in life, you know, he, when he, like, when you get the summertime, it's when he starts rapping a little differently. But he just talked about, like, his style was really, you know, I guess comparable to a lot of what was good at the time. He just wasn't given a ton of respect. And I think the re- and part of it is why, like, with the his storytelling style, it was, you know, my mom bought me these wax school clothes or 
um, I drove my parents' car mm-hmm. and I picked up this girl. It turned out she was only like twelve or thirteen. <laughs> that's that's a <laughs> but, problem. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but with Slick Rick, it was um, me and this kid were going to. Uh, or he told a story of these two kids that were robbing people, and one mm-hmm. of them ran for the police, and he eventually got shot. Yeah. So it was darker, it was more, it was grittier, compared to the suburban problems the safer, of Will Smith. Yeah. That would, yeah. yeah. And I guess, and I think that it, 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 for Will Smith, it also is the same kind of thing as um, uh, Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer, because it was. Maybe he was not going to get that kind of credit because he was popular. Yeah. Well, and you you, you had to be a certain, like you could only be one kind of way, right? To yeah. be a rapper, mm-hmm. you couldn't be like Will Smith could have gone to MIT if he wanted to, mm-hmm. but instead he pursued music and acting. And, acting. <laughs> and, and, is, a, and is a really good actor. I think that's worth mentioning. Well, yeah, and and as far as like his career. Um, like as far as like the reputation of rappers crossing over into film, right? He, I don't. He doesn't. I don't think he gets that much respect there either. But there's a generation of kids who don't even know he was a rapper. So that's right, because, and that's and that's that's part of the reason why why he's such a strong actor is that you wouldn't even know. Mm-hmm. You know, like I got like, so much crap in high school for. for well, no, actually, I did not. So, but the theater kids in my high school class, when this girl said she thinks Will Smith is a good actor. They just were so indignant, but <laughs> this was right. like this was like two thousand one. So I mean, this was okay. Ali hadn't come out yet. Yeah, so he hadn't really been <laughs> unless you'd seen you know Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, which most people have not. Yeah, you didn't know, and you know, turn around ten, fifteen years later, you have to turn around like, yeah, maybe she was right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think like musically, um, he brought in. I think like the success of him and I think it was solely his success and maybe young MC and MC hammer. Why there is a rap category at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Like as much as people might love public enemy and run DMC and grandmaster flash. It took until Will Smith, <laughs> the fresh Prince. It took until him DC and DJ Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff, to for there to for rap to be taken seriously as a musical genre. Yeah. Yeah. They won the first they won the first rap Grammy. And, and they it wasn't did the televised. Whole thing and didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, they found out they weren't going to televise it. So didn't they didn't show go. up and, and said right. why they didn't show up. Yeah. Which then in turn next year is televised. Yeah. But then sometimes it it's not. They don't. They still. They're still an issue with it. Well, I Cause, still cause, maintain because Jay Z. Jay Z wasn't going. Yeah, because I, they weren't televising it. I still maintain that rap, hip hop, and metal, or I just say rock music in general, are, the, are they're just totally misunderstood by the academy. Like they, I just don't think they understand it. I've seen metal acts in the best rock category, and rock acts in the best in the best metal category. And it's like they just don't like. I think Foo Fighters were in the metal category once. I'm like, like well, Jethro you... Tull was in the yeah. yeah. Like so they just don't. It started seem there. To... They obviously. Like, I'll give the Academy a break on that one because obviously, like, they could only name four metal groups that year. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, out of all these, I like only recognize Jethro Tull. Tull. So they give it to Jethro Tull. Although that that's a mean flute. 
He's I agree. Mean, he's a mean flautist. The beginning of um, Thick as a Brick, top five. Thick as, Thick as a Brick, in general, like, I, I remember not realizing that I was listening to the radio edit all my life, mm-hmm. and then it's I was... a long song. It is, yeah, it's like 25 minutes, yeah. kids. That was back when they just dedicated an entire side of an album to, <laughs> to, one, song. to yeah. one song. And I remember, I think I want to say I was, like, driving somewhere somewhere like Augusta type area and my dad tuned into this AM station and they started playing Thick as a Brick nice. and then after like seven minutes my dad went oh they're playing the whole thing like he got <laughs> he got really excited and I was like what do you mean the whole thing he was like no that crap that they usually play on the radio is the radio edit and then he explained radio edits to me and I was like uh well when does it end oh it's like half an hour long yeah that was that's Prague that's Prague yeah <laughs> and inherently kind of racially biased um, there was there was a weird article I was reading. Not weird. It was a regular article <clears throat> that was talking about why prog music is is inherently racist. Go on. <laughs> um, can you name a person of color that has contributed to prog music? Um, George Clinton. I, but he's probably not considered correct. Prog. Yeah, he is not. He he was definitely not. It was it was like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Um, Genesis for the first part of their career, yeah. Pink Floyd. Um, after, I mean, there's probably some Sid prog bands now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I think that or Rush. I mean, I think that they were also really kind of leaning into the fact that the fans of prog music mm-hmm. were overwhelmingly white. Mm-hmm. The people that argued that prog rock is the best form of rock, yeah, are more than willing to like because I think that there was the case that was being made in the article and not one that I'm willing to argue but um the case made in the article was because of prog rock appealed to upper class more educated white people it it was also a degree of separation from rock roots mm. which is to say removed from Chuck Berry yeah. or Muddy Waters or, or the like so yeah yeah well, yeah, because they think, so to them, the blues is, uh, that's just simple pentatonics. Right, Whereas, it's, it's just a 12-bar progression, but listen yeah. to this 30-minute song yeah. that takes up the whole side of an album isn't that great. Yeah. Or listen to Neil Peart, you know, fucking wail on it for 10 minutes on his own. Well, that's, if, I mean, if you're going that deep, too, that's <clears> the division that I, as a musician, as a classically trained musician, that I've seen between classically trained musicians and not classically trained, and jazz musicians, really. Um, when at West Georgia in the jazz combo, I was you know I played with the jazz combo. Um, Doctor Bull, who was the saxophone teacher there, um, classically trained, looked down on Mariano Pacchetti, who was you know a talented saxophone player in his own right, but he was a jazz saxophone player. Uh-huh. And it's just like that divide, yeah that that is a true divide. Like you know, jazz really did stem, did come from classical music. Only it was kind of a and I don't want to say a watered down version of it, but it was more so, you know, we're not we're gonna take some of these principles and make it our own. And that that is a true divide. They just don't look I at it. I think part of it same. is that it being the with it being improvisational mm-hmm. a lot of the times, some people may dis- dismiss that as not having any kind of structure or yeah. direction. Because I mean it it went basically went from the closest the closest connection we have is big band jazz you know which is one of the earliest forms of jazz was the closest you would have to classical everything else yeah. after that bebop um a lot of the freeform stuff that you you know started hearing where you know they're playing almost 200 beats per minute 
it's not easy stuff to play, but still did not just was not looked at with the same respect. Yeah, as a classically trained you know trumpet player versus you know the best jazz trumpet player in the world, they will they just would not give that same respect. And and it kind of it, it kind of has the feeling of like in the roots of jazz and blues being what it is. It's like it, the, those music forms were more working class and more blue yeah. collar. Whereas if you could afford to go, yeah. or if you if you had the means to go, then you would you would start to be maybe a little bit snobby about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like I'm not taking any, I don't want to take anything away from from classical music. But going back to the point about prog rock, like that was because there was that extra line of separation. Mm-hmm. That's in part what made it racist. Mm. So. It is, very, it is a very, it is a very, because I, I, I mean, I like Prague. I know people who are, <laughs> who listen to Prague and Prague, people who listen to Prague and metalheads are typically the most defensive and the snobbiest about their music. Yeah. Elitist. Um, I, you, elitist. Yeah, yes. You know, when I, I say snobbiest. Yeah, no, elitist. no, no. I think you, you started to say it and I was like, oh yeah, that's the word that I've been yeah, looking elitist. for this whole yeah. time is that it's, it's super <clears throat> elitist. They're to be very, like. and like, it's just like they, nothing can compare to their music. And I don't like those type of metalheads. So we did have, you know, Patrick on here who is not that type of metalhead. He's not the type that's just like, oh, it turns his nose up at everything. He's very open-minded. He'll, you know, listen to anything. Whereas, like, I'm listening to, you know, one of the stations on XM one day. And Steve Lombardo from Slayer, the drummer from Slayer, came out with a new album. And the DJ was like, yeah, tell your friends to listen to some real music and not that crappy blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you just turned me off. And I had like, why? Yeah, I, I, there was someone recently that was like um, posted about, oh, you know, like 30 years from now, classic rock, quote unquote, is going to be about eating ass. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't take a sip of this, dude. I, I like out of the corner of my eye, I saw that you were starting to do that, and I was like, "All right, you're gonna have to time this. Either get it out now, or or really slow it down." Um, <laughs> but but the first thing that came to my mind was there was that old song from the from the 50s or 60s that was "Yummy, Yummy, Yummy." I got love in my tummy. That's about sucking and swallowing, kids. That is about your grandma. Listen to that song. Yep, and that's not like me like coloring in anything. That's what that's the weird. guy that wrote the song said. This was about getting head and her swallowing and the joys of oral sex. That's what that song is about. Amen. But it was like four clean cut white guys. <laughs> so like, oh, this is about eating candy. Yeah, sure. Sure. It's about yeah, eating, yeah, sure. Yeah, candy. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. candy. Whatever. Yeah. Just like I want candy was about candy. Right. That was about crack. <laughs> it's even worse. And, <laughs> and and no one's gonna convince me otherwise. Um Well, maybe the I feel like the Bow Wow Wow version was about crack. The original version was about something else. I think oh oh oh. Just like pulling muscles from a shell? About sex. I I, exactly. I, rem- the first 10 times I heard that song, I was confused as fuck. Like, Me too. What is going on? Like, is, is he happy about it? I yeah. don't know. I can't. Like, is... Yes, we're going to pull some muscles. Yes. Yes. I can't From wait. Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Like, is he at a sea resort or, like, <laughs> or is he, 
is he like shucking? Is he work? <laughs> does he work at a, like a restaurant, like an oyster house, and like I have to shuck, I have to pull these muscles from a uh, shell? It's a living. And this, that's uh, my that's my unpopular music. Opinion. <laughs> uh, you have any others, Ben? Um, Jack White's not a good guitar player. Ooh, yeah. I think now I'll say this. I'll say this. He is not playing up to his potential because I've actually heard him like when I've heard him like just playing like off the record, so to speak, like um, on an episode of Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. So he's I mean, he's not like a horrible guitar player, but I don't think he's trying. So the whole opinion of this was the White Stripes were overrated. The Strokes were the better of the two bands from that era. I typically hold them up together because, you know, back when the I guess the big garage band explosion as people like to call it was happening you had like the hives you had the white stripes the strokes i always felt the the vines thus (laughs) i always felt that the strokes and i guess maybe because they more so resembled the band from the classic rock era that i respected the most the rolling stones they kind of you know they were the classic five band lineup you have your rhythm your bass your lead your singer your drummer and they actually just sound like better musicians to me, whereas the White Stripes, you got a guy on guitar, you got a woman on drums. Um, they're kind of sloppy. I don't really care for his his vocals, but I liked him in the Raconteurs. I felt like he was, and so I'm like, you, clearly he can play guitar. Like he sounds, his guitar playing sounds better here. So maybe he's going for something here, and I just don't care for it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. Um I mean I, I do love the white stripes and but I think that it's more of like a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. And um but I will defend his guitar playing in the white stripes because of Ball and Biscuit. The solo mm-hmm. uh on um Ball and Biscuit on Elephant, which really came at it like it wasn't really setting up for that kind of solo. Mm-hmm. I mean it was like this it's a bluesy type song, but like the way he leaned into it is yeah. it's, it's pretty good, but I but I would say that mm-hmm. as an exception. So he that did that have Icky Thump on it? No, that Elephant, was no? Bef- that was before Icky Thump. That was before Icky Thump. Okay, Icky, I'll... Thump, Icky Thump was the uh, <laughs> album after Elephant. Okay, I think I will say that is it. That is a good riff, Icky Thump. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. riff. Um, but I don't know. I guess for me, like after hearing his other stuff where he's not in the right stripes, I was like he is. He's clearly a competent guitar player. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's a, he should be as high as Rolling Stone ranked him. I think they had him like in their top ten or something. But yeah. But then again, I also Didn't they have think, Kurt Cobain number one. I don't know, but if they if they had him at, on the list at all, I would be very upset. Who Kurt Cobain? Yeah, oh, he's on the list. Yeah, he's definitely on the list. he shouldn't be on the list. I, I wholly wholeheartedly agree. He yeah. should not be on the list. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's more so when they come up with their lists. And I wish I knew what went into it because, I mean, like, honestly, if you're going to go with who are the top, you know, 100 greatest guitar players of all time, A, it's going to constantly be shifting because you always have people who are coming out who are faster, who are more technical. But that's not the only thing you're going to look at, clearly. you got to look yeah. at influence and things like that. But even with all of that said, Kurt Cobain should still not be on that list. Yeah, no, there's, there's no Like, reason. why are you putting him... Oh, he played music everything's tuned like a step and a half down. <laughs> oh God, that's never happened. Before. I really want to think they put monkey and or a head from corn, which I did not understand either. That might literally be the least talented metal band. And which is why I don't think people, I think people don't care for them. Like we were talking about this the other day, like fieldy is like the worst bass player ever known to. <laughs> I saw like a lesson Who? with the fieldy from corn. Oh, 
I saw him giving a lesson on how to play one of their songs. <laughs> like one of those master classes. <laughs> yeah, just, your new instructor. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, I could play this. I'm a horrible bass player. Like, this is, is this a joke? I thought he was like, gonna be like, psych, that's not really the song, guys. This is how you play it. <laughs> but like, it was just like, he's like, he's just going, boom, 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 boom. So yeah, that's the, that's the chorus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, those. Does it seem like he hesitated a little bit? Like, wait. Yeah, that's the so guy. when he yes. when he played the verse, <laughs> yes, he did because they're slapping in the verse, but there's no rhyme or rhythm to how he's doing it. He's like, boom, doom, 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 doom. and he had to kind of stop and wait. Hold on, wait. <laughs> like, what do you mean, wait? Am I playing this right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, I, I'm I'm out of opinions for now. Is this controversial? Elton John is better than Billy Joel. Is that is that even what? controversial? Who would say what? Who do you what? Who would say possibly that Elton John a, is possibly on a musical level? Wait, but what? according to that documentary, probably definitely on a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Who would say that Elton John is worse than Billy Joel? So I actually got into an argument with the kid in high school who felt that way. Okay, you felt Billy drink- Joel was better. Yeah, he thought Billy Joel was better than Elton. How? I don't know. He oh, just okay. Did. Well, you're right. You're right. You're yeah. Right. I shouldn't have asked. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's, I mean, he was, it was high school. So, I mean, <laughs> oh man, but I've always felt Elton John was better than Billy Joel. No. Yeah. Um, I, I remember watching him. I, I watched him at a music midtown and he, for, I don't know if it was just something that he wrote that he wanted to share, but there was like three or four minutes of like basically a classical piano piece that Elton John wrote. Yeah, and it was like playing it insanely fast, and you got the little camera, so you can see his fingers on the keyboard, and he just and he was like, it was insane. Like the playing was absolutely yeah. insane, and then it very slowly like built its way into the start of Rocket Man. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, like it was it was great. It was fucking genius. Billy Joel hasn't released an album in twenty goddamn years, <laughs> and he's not going to. No, he's not. And he's just going to play like whatever stadium the same songs that he's been playing for mm-hmm. the last thirty forty years. <laughs> So this isn't me saying I hate Billy Joel, although his classical album was described by many as very atonal and just not like it was basically just playing for the sake of playing, which I think some people who maybe and maybe this is a sign of maybe just how he thinks classical music isn't just playing just to play. Like, there are actual melodies within classical style music. And I don't think he understood that because a lot of his his pieces just there was no melody. It was just like he's just playing atonal music which if you want to do that that's fine yeah but you're not going to get a ton of respect well that's what happens when you're a demon i guess <laughs> wait he hasn't seen the documentary oh yeah oh mm. okay there's a documentary called hired gun which convinced me that i'll never be a session musician just because oh, it just remember, seems like yeah. a horrible I guys, life I remember, I remember you guys talking about that yeah. on the podcast alice cooper equals god billy joel equals satan that was that was basically what it was, you know, huh. Elton John will take his friends and throw them under a bus and back it up and go forward. And Alice Cooper will give you a loan for your house. Like, oh Jesus, Alice yeah. Cooper will do whatever. It's like you having girl troubles. If you need me to, I, I got a guy that can handle that. You, he's <laughs> like you owe money to somebody. Hey, come on down, play a few shows. I'll pay you double. I'm Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. While me. Billy Joel, uh, you know, he Wait. will take a, an entire plane. And because he wants to lie down, he won't let his drummer uh, get on the plane to go home. He's like, but I got to get back to see my sick daughter. Billy might want to lie down. 
Like, oh, and he won't tell you that you're not going to work with him on the next album. He'll just go make the next album. You hear the song on the radio. That's how you the know the new Billy Joel single. I thought, for a second, I thought you were saying that Elton John was going to do all that. No, no, that's Billy Joel. Okay, Elton John seems awesome, and he was really cool in Kingsman. By the way, he was in the second Kingsman. He, uh, um, what was I going to say? Um, there's there is a documentary about how bitchy he can be backstage. Uh, Elton John called tantrums and tiaras. That oh, was bro. actually made by his then partner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I think they're still together, but okay. like that was sort of the thing. And it's mostly about Elton John just being a little bitchy backstage. <laughs> like, ah, this is just, I wanted lukewarm water, not chilled water or whatever. Um, that kind of thing. So, yeah. I wanted blue M&Ms. These are green. So <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because that's the one thing, like when it comes to like, you know, crazy demands, you know, the no brown M&Ms by um, Van Halen. But there's an interesting reason why they did that, though. So, um, and they, Eddie Van Halen actually tells the story about why they did this in their tour writer. So, basically, they used to play a lot of smaller towns. Like, like he cited Macon, Georgia, actually, as one of them. They would play these small towns in which the facilities weren't equipped for national touring acts to come through. And so, in order to make sure that the, they wanted to always make sure the stage was secure so they didn't get hurt. And so that people in the crowd didn't get hurt. So they would end their tour writer, which if people who are listening don't know what a tour writer is, that basically lists what the touring band needs in order to perform. So like it might be stage <laughs> specifications. It might be a certain amount of money. It might be things in your dressing room. Um, they had very specific, like down to the letter, you need to follow these in order for the show and the stage to be secured. So in order to ensure that it was being read line by line, they would throw that in there, no brown M&Ms, like just something that they knew. So yeah. if they walked into a dressing room and they saw that there were brown M&Ms, they know that they didn't read it, the stage wouldn't be safe, and they shouldn't play the show. And so they would they'd nope out of there because they knew automatically it had not been read line by line. Right. And that was their way of ensuring that no one got hurt because they had an incident where people got hurt. <laughs> the stage was bad, people got hurt, and that's when they started putting it in there. It's true. Um, maybe another. I, well, I don't know if it's a popular opinion or not. Sammy Hagar better than David Lee. My Ruff? guitar teacher at West Georgia got so mad when I said that. <laughs> he got so mad. I was like, he's a better singer. He goes, not for that band. I'm like, it. I mean, it, it, it just depends on what you're into. Like, do you want a showman or do you want a singer? Sammy Hagar was a singer. David Lee Roth was a showman. Like it's it's really all about what you want. Was was Van Halen more exciting with David Lee Roth? Absolutely. But he just like there's just certain notes Sammy Hagar can hit that he just cannot. True. Really uh, unpopular is Gary Sharon was better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's the really unpopular. Like bring back like the one person that shows up to the shows, like bring back Gary, bring back <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Oh man. Um well uh yeah that that will do it for our uh yeah, we're past the two ten mark. Okay. Um this has been fun. Yeah. I have also enjoyed this. Yeah. Yes. Um so that'll do it for our discussion on our unpopular opinions. You can definitely uh, share yours with us if you're listening by email or by through Instagram Facebook. or Facebook, whatever. The face bizzle. Alright, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um uh, in honor of Aretha Franklin, this is actually one of my favorite duets ever. I, I knew still it. Listen I knew to it. it. I knew it. 
every once in a while. Um, and it is uh, I Knew You Were Waiting For Me by Aretha Franklin and George Michael. Oh, yeah. Both rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Both in rest in peace. It's from Aretha's album simply titled Aretha from 1986. <laughs> this was a number one song on the Hot 100. And um, it was also uh, a passion project for George Michael. Like, he always wanted to perform with Aretha Franklin. That's why I didn't choose this chance. one, because I knew you were going to choose this one. <laughs> <laughs> they knew I was going to choose. I knew you were waiting for me. So uh, we're going to play that, and we'll be right back. Right, that is I Knew You Were Waiting For Me, Aretha Franklin, and George Michael. May they both rest in peace. Uh, a lot of the shows at the radio station wanted Aretha Franklin tributes. Mm. It's kind of weird. We play like the same like five songs. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, that will bring us to the end of our program. So, Tim, if you want to be found... <laughs> We always preface it that way. If you want to be found, where can people find you? I don't know. I don't think you want to be found. Um, no, I, well, I have a, I would talk about, I have a Twitter, but I never update the Twitter. So, um, you know, I'm good. All right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Always a pleasure. We must do this again. Yeah. I'm sure we will. I'm not, I'm saying, like, we'll we find a way. To, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll figure it out again. Yeah. Uh, well, Ben, um, where can we be found? I don't want to be found. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the rest. <laughs> so normally we're on Facebook Live, but if you were watching, this is where I would say you found our Facebook page, um, and you get nothing. 
but the joy of finding our Facebook page. But our Facebook page is facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, our website is also called www. That means World Wide Web. I wonder how many people under oh. 30 knew that. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. The interwebs, yes. Remember when they were trying to call it the information superhighway? I do. And it's like, guys, this is oh, far boy. too long. And I didn't know... I didn't know that those things were different. Like, I thought the internet and the information superhighway, I'm like, the information superhighway is something else. Right. And the internet is something else, but I was wrong. Yes. That makes sense. So if you want to find us on the information superhighway, man, uh, you can find us at www.bythetimeyouhearthis.com. Tubular. Tubular, dude. Um, <laughs> the website is spelled with the word U, Y-O-U. If you want to find us on the gram... Oh, no, sorry. The Facebook is also spelled with the word Y-O-U. If you want to find us on the gram, you can find us at By the Time You Hear This, spelled with the letter U, and that's because... We are urban. We are back. We urban, doll. We don't but, even care. But still, not under investigation. We don't even care. Yeah. Why are you looking at me? I, I don't know. I'm just looking around. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking for approval. <laughs> you haven't. You haven't. We're not I under approve. investigation. No. We are not underage. Oh, Lord. We're not your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to stop there. Okay, so um, so if you want to listen to us on the go, as most podcasts are listened to, check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Podomatic. Check us out on the Google uh, Music app if you have an Android phone. I'm going to probably be getting one pretty soon, like in the next few months. Hopefully. Hopefully. Whack. Hey, bro. Don't knock it till you tried it. All right, right. so um, if you want to look at our spectacular show notes, you can find us on Listen Notes. Check us out there. I said Podomatic. We are also on TuneIn, CastBox, Overcast, Auto Radio. Um, Really, any of those aggregate podcast sites um, or apps that you can get. Um, I feel like I'm missing Satchel. Satchel Podcasts. And I know we don't always say it, but that's the podcast app in which you can find podcast produced in your area so that is cool um i guess to comment on what you said you're listening to um the first season of of slow burns really good the second season's even better oh nice okay yeah the second season yeah like you said is all about the whitewater just really about his impeachment in general Mm -hmm. and the first episode was like a punch in the face it was really like because you're finding out things you just didn't know, like, that happened? Yeah. That's what was going on? Like, Also, apparently a lot of people involved in that turned up dead. That, too. So that's what is known as, and this is where Conspiracy Ben comes into play, the Clinton body count. Yeah. It's like, apparently, like, people swear it's like, I think the, the chart I saw had, like, 30 people. Yeah. It's insane. Now, I'm not saying I subscribe to that. Right, but yeah, that's. But I mean, it, it's you can you can note it. Yeah, but it gets. I, I, I also don't subscribe to it, just yeah. to make that clear. But but it gets. But yeah, so he did say, um, at least in uh, like I think in the trailer, um, <clears throat> the reason he wanted to make slow burn was that um, he wanted like since he's living through, essentially what could turn out to be a president being impeached. You know, he's being right. investigated. He wanted to dig and to see what it was like then, you know, living mm-hmm. through that um, part, you know, a president, you know, being impeached and all of these things happening and everything surrounding that. And that's what, you know, led him to make Slow Burn. Yeah. He wanted to kind of 
see what that process was like since he's living through it. Well, what was it like back then? Interesting. Did people and did people realize that it was going to become this huge moment? You know, like, and I think people right now are trying to force it. They're like, oh, this is the part in the movie where it's like, don't force it. Just right. live in the moment. Like, just live in the moment. Yeah, like, if you start, like, putting any sort of, like, timeline on it, you're always going to be disappointed. Yeah. Or expect certain things to happen. That won't know, ultimately will like, happen. That don't have to happen, but if they don't happen, now you're just, like, yeah, confusing okay. it. So. Mm-hmm. so. Okay, well, that will do it for our program. If you like that, though, listen to Can He Do That? Oh, is that? Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so we're in the show with, um, there's a YouTuber I follow named Danny Gonzalez. Uh, I think he lives in Illinois now, but he went to Georgia Tech. But um, he has a video called We Made a Chainsmokers Song, and he uses the, he used the, the user comments as lyrics. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. Divine. So uh, we're going to play that. And thank you, everyone, to for listening and downloading, and we'll talk to you very soon. Peace. Peace. What's up, guys? Well, we made a Chainsmokers song. I asked you guys to comment lyrics you think could be in a Chainsmokers song on my last video. I sorted through about 700 comments to find about 20 good ones to use in this song. I hope you like it. I think it turned out really good. So, without further ado, here's your song. My heart is an ocean. Cause it's deep? No, cause it's empty and blue. I never loved myself and I certainly don't love you. I wanted an iPad Pro, but I got an iPad 2. Now let me eat your soul. Death is inevitable and nothing but darkness awaits us on the other side. Chicka chicka, yeah, but it's okay, at least we tried. Love is like love, it feels like love when you're in love. Don't fret, he eats spaghetti. Don't frown, he eat a brownie. Yeah. Oh, there's carrots everywhere. Isn't this something that Jack's films did? Without you, I don't have you. Oh, I am trash. I hate my life, I hate my wife, I wanna die.